Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. I sincerely hope that this is the last time that I find myself here. You just don't get it, do you, Jean-Luc? The trial never ends. We wanted to see if you had the ability to expand your mind and your horizons. And for one brief moment, you did. When I realized the paradox. Exactly. For that one fraction of a second, you were open to options you had never considered. That is the exploration that awaits you. Not mapping stars and studying nebula, but charting the unknown possibilities of existence. Q, what is it that you're trying to tell me? You'll find out. In any case, I'll be watching. And if you're very lucky, I'll drop by to say hello from time to time. See you out there. Welcome to Dearly Debated. You're entitled to your opinion, even if it's wrong. I'm Nathaniel, only going where no man has gone before Levinson. With me, special guest... Ashley Coffee Black Thomas. And, of course, our moderator... Jason uh, Enterprise Day. As you may have picked up today, we're going to be talking about Star Trek. But first, This Week in History, maybe. And actually, this week, it's a special This Week in History, because... As I was sitting at my desk writing down my, my bit for This Week in History, um, something strange happened. There was a bright light and a weird sound, and the paper I was writing on disappeared and was replaced by this. And the title that I found, the paper I found, was titled Memo from a Parallel Universe. So let's see what, let's see what happened. Michael Bay releases Transformers 11, Megatron Gets Married. The ghost of Robert Ebert was quoted, quoted as saying, I just don't get it. The first Transformers was a masterpiece of cinema, but somehow Bay makes a better movie every sequel. It doesn't seem physically possible. <laughs> President of the United States, Donald Trump, announces the completion of Canada's annexation after winning the Nobel Peace Prize. Trump reiterated his intentions to keep Canada a free and independent province, which celebrates its unique culture. After the entrance of Mexico as the 51st state, Trump demonstrated his tact and statesmanship by selecting the former Mexican president, Maria Gutierrez, as his running mate for his seventh term election. Trump was quoted as saying at the time, Mexico is one of the greatest states in the world, and they have the most lovely, law-abiding people. The UN, led by fellow Nobel laureate Vladimir Putin, celebrated by declaring the 4th of June Global Maple Syrup and Hockey Day. <laughs> 
So that, I, yeah, that was weird, but Man. that appeared on my desk by magic. It was, uh, I don't know, maybe that'll happen more often. We'll see. If Section 31 is involved. Well, possibly. <laughs> also, a clarification that a listener, who we'll call Joel, because that's his name, mentioned that I used the term Mary Sue several times, but never actually explained what it meant. Hmm. And I, you know, I, I, I'm familiar with it as a term, essentially the term is, is used for a character who's too competent to the point of being perfect. And it can be used for male and female characters, although apparently there's a variation that can be used for a male character, Gary Stu. Yeah, I, I, uh, <laughs> I was going to bring that up. <laughs> but so I looked up the origin and how germane the origin, the term Mary Sue comes from the name of a character created by Paula Smith in 1973 for her parody story, A Trekkie's Tale published in her fanzine Menagerie 2. The story starred Lieutenant Mary Sue, the youngest lieutenant in the fleet, only 15 and a half years old, and satirized unrealistic characters in Star Trek fanfiction. And here's the complete story. It's like three paragraphs. <clears throat> Gee golly gosh, Glorioski, thought Mary Sue as she stepped onto the bridge of the Enterprise. Here I am, the youngest lieutenant in the fleet, only 15 and a half years old. Captain Kirk came up to her. Oh, lieutenant, I love you madly. Will you come to bed with me? Captain, I am not that kind of girl. You're right, and I respect you for it. Here, take over the ship for a minute while I go get some coffee for us. Mr. Spot came onto the bridge. What are you doing in the, in the command seat, Lieutenant? The captain told me so. Flawlessly logical. I admire your mind. Captain Kirk, Mr. Spock, Dr. McCoy, and Mr. Oh, Mr. Spock, Dr. McCoy, and Mr. Scott beamed down with Lieutenant Mary Sue to Rigel 37. They were attacked by green androids and thrown into prison. In a moment of weakness, Lieutenant Mary Sue revealed to Mr. Spock that she too was half Vulcan. Recovering quickly, she sprung the lock with her hairpin, and they all got away back to the ship. But back on board, Dr. McCoy and Lieutenant Mary Sue found out that the men who had beamed them down were seriously stricken by the jumping cold Robbies. Mary Sue less so. While the four officers languished in sickbay, Lieutenant Mary Sue ran to the ship and ran it, or ran the ship, and ran it so well she received the Nobel Peace Prize, the Vulcan Order of Gallantry, and the, <laughs> see if I pronounce this right, the Trafalmadorian Order of Good Guyhood. However, the disease finally got to her and she fell fatally ill. In sickbay, as she breathed her last, she was surrounded by Captain Kirk, Mr. Spock, Dr. McCoy, and Mr. Scott, all weeping unashamedly at the loss of her beautiful youth and youthful beauty, intelligence, capability, and all-around niceness. Even to this day, her birthday is a national holiday on the Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the origin of the term Mary Sue. I, I knew the term originated with fan fiction. I did not know it originated specifically with Star Trek fan fiction, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> it's pretty great. All right, so... Star Trek. Let's jump into it, if you will, Jason. All right. Well, let's start out uh, with a simple one. Uh, just what was y'all's intro to Star Trek or your first experience with the uh, with the series? Um. Well, my uh, entry into Star Trek was a bit unusual. My first uh, experience with Star Trek was the 2009 uh, reboot. Oh, wow. Interesting. Um, my husband took me on a date to go see it at the Dollar Theater when we were dating, and we were not what's what's the right word? We we were broke, so <laughs> so we went on lots of dates to the Dollar Theater while while we were dating, and it was fun. But uh, yeah, that was my intro into Star Trek was the two thousand nine movie. It's a respectable place to start. I mean, so for me, my dad grew up watching the original series, mm -hmm. so when I was younger he would just watch whenever next generation was on we would sit down and watch it and then when ds9 and voyager on we watched those like as they came out and i very distinctly remember where i was during the voyager finale because we were in new york uh -huh. at the marriott maquis i was i saw music man i know exactly what year it was because i looked up what year the voyager finale was 2002 
So that was also the year I got into musicals because I saw Music Man on Broadway and it blew my mind. Musical mm-hmm. episode in the future. It's, mm-hmm. gonna, it's, it's coming. Forthcoming. Uh, forthcoming. I remember that was like right when plasma TVs had just come out. And the Marriott Maki had one. And it had this really weird thing where it would leave an after image every time the scene transitioned. It was really weird. Wow. But yeah, so I, I grew up watching Next Gen, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and then Enterprise. So I, I've grown up watching from Deep Space Nine onwards. Mm-hmm. I had a very similar experience to Ashley. My first time watching was the uh, the 2009 movie as well. And that's what really got me into, or oh, got me to where I was open to exploring uh, the rest of the series. Yeah, yeah. I I actually went back and started watching all of Star Trek <laughs> after that. Um, it took me six years, but I did watch all of it. Yeah. Um, but the 2009 was my gateway drug. Yeah, and I'm I'm actually currently doing that right now. Is going back through and watching everything. Yeah. So it's fun. Yeah. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, move on. What do you guys think makes Star Trek great? It's hmm. a big question. Um, for me, what I, 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 one of the things I especially enjoy about Star Trek is I think they're really good at assembling on, um, ensemble casts. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think there are merits to each of the cast members in, in every series, but I also like that uh, Star Trek it's built on hope and that we can be better humans and we can move forward. I, I, I admire that about it. I would say pretty much exactly the same thing. I think they do. They've done. I think Enterprise is probably the weakest at this point, but they, they've traditionally done a phenomenal job of assembling a diverse cast of characters and doing a really good job developing them into multi-note characters who interact with each other in interesting ways and have interesting story arcs and make it so that even though the show is largely episodic, you still have really interesting character moments, even if you don't have huge overarching plots for, for the most part. Um, and then also, of course, it's the most optimistic show on television. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I completely disagree with 100% of its uh, philosophy, but I, I think that you know most of the shows just don't have that same level of optimism. And in fact, that's one of the complaints that's been leveled at the new Star Trek, and arguably arguably, the culture has shifted away from that in, in, a, in a lot of ways, and it would be nice to see if they go back to that. I think that they said that that was kind of their intention, was to move back into that kind of optimistic setting, which... Yeah, even if it's unrealistic, it's fiction. Who cares? <laughs> it's, it's nice to have some optimism. Right. And it's it's unusual. The majority of the time in fiction, when you jump into the future, you're jumping into like a post-apocalyptic world, or you're jumping into, you know, maybe something that's kind of similar to our own reality. It's very strange to jump ahead and then go like to, you know, what is essentially a better culture, a better world. Yeah, Earth right. is essentially a utopia in Star Trek. Well, uh, just just to clarify, when you say new Star Trek, do you mean JJ reboot or do you mean Discovery? I mean Discovery and Picard. Okay. Because uh, well, JJ reboot are movies. Movies and series just can't have the same feel necessarily. Right. Yeah, it's it's um, something different. They're a different animal. While we're clarifying, I do want to point out when he said musical episode earlier, we are going to be talking about musicals. We are not going to be attempting oh, to aren't have we? an entire podcast to music. I mean, we could. you don't know that. <laughs> Well, I will. I'll be a lot quieter. I will be preparing my own number. All right. (laughs) Okay. Now would be a good time to maybe just kind of go through each series and talk about what you guys like about them. I'll jump in where I've got experience, but uh, I'm I'm not going to have a lot to say on this. Let's start just with the original series. Uh, Start at the very beginning. Yeah, I'm actually going to defer to you guys because I've watched. I've watched. I've seen a handful of episodes on TV, but the only one that I've like sat down and watched was the very first episode. I actually because I was intending to 
to watch through it, and I just haven't gone back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've only watched the first episode with the uh, uh, changeling person, and so mm-hmm. the changing is it does like a, a fade of one person and the next person <laughs> fades in. Right. Fantastic. Yep. He's like sucking all the water out of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So thoughts on original series? Uh, why don't you start off and I'll kind of yeah. jump in. Okay. Now, to be fair, it's been probably since I think I finished original series in 2010, 2011. So it's been almost a decade since I've actually sat down and watched it all mm. the way through. So memory's a little foggy on that. Mm-hmm. But what I appreciated about getting to watch original series after watching um, the uh, 2009 film was the um, chemistry among the cast members. Um, I thought that was really interesting. I uh, I appreciate a lot of the historical impact that it had, not only just on the science fiction genre, but how it impacted things um, in our culture as well. Yeah. If you enjoy going to conventions, thank a Star Trek fan. <laughs> Specifically, <laughs> thank the women of uh, Star Trek fans, because they're the ones that started the first uh, Star Trek conventions. Um, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., got Nichelle Nichols to stay on the show, even though the studio refused to give her full starring pay. Gene Roddenberry kept bringing her in as a guest star. Effectively, she ended up getting paid more because she guest starred so many times <laughs> than she would have if they had just paid her as a full cast member. Uh, but Dr. M- Martin Luther King Jr. wrote to her um, as she was considering quitting the show and said, don't quit uh, because you are showing um, that a person of color can be more than just a maid or a butler. Or, you know, so you're showing that they will be somebody in the future and um, what an impact that that had on the culture. Specifically, later on, Whoopi Goldberg, um, who was later in Star Trek Next Generation, she actually saw Lieutenant Uhura on TV and like went crazy. He's like, Mama, there's a black lady on the TV and she ain't no maid. That was a big deal. So I think culturally speaking, that's what I appreciate the most about the original series is its cultural impact, mm-hmm. as well as like the cast dynamics. Um, I think my favorite character on the original series is Spock. I love Spock. Um, who doesn't love Spock? I'm rambling at this point, but hey, the, it's part of it. Oh, and, and I think too, uh, just the sheer number of like quality writers they had on the show is like mm-hmm. Carla, Carlin Ellison uh, wrote um, blanking on the specific episode. I want to say City on the Edge of Tomorrow, but I don't think that's right. And then Robert Matheson, who would go on to write I Am Legend, wrote for The Twilight Zone, also a Star Trek writer as well. So I think what I really enjoyed about it, uh, again, coming to it after watching the modern trilogy of movies, is, again, I kind of had an idea of all the characters when I jumped in. It was cool to see them kind of, you know, slowly be introduced. It was... And, you know, just thinking back in the time period in which that was airing, just the level of, you know, hopefulness, the level of inclusion in the cast was uh, pretty remarkable. Really cool. Uh, I think, yeah, my char- my favorite character from it would have been, uh, would be Spock as well. Um, but just the dynamic that they eventually developed between Spock, Kirk, and uh, when they started throwing bones in there regularly, that just... You kind of see it go from, if you're watching it just straight through, you kind of see it go from being very focused on Kirk to then Kirk and Spock, and they kind of build towards that idea of having the ensemble cast. They never quite reach it all the way, like they do in Next Gen and the original series, but you can definitely see where they're getting an idea as how the stories are going to work better and things like that. It's just, uh, and it's just a lot of fun. It's a good good sci-fi, holds up, uh, you know. Phenomenal special effects. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I personally find 
it interesting how much the original series reused props from other shows mm. and and the ways they got creative by using those um off i want to offer a correction to myself harlan harlan ellison wrote city on the edge of forever that was the name of the episode uh that he wrote and then it was richard matheson not robert matheson gotcha. um, he he wrote uh for star trek as well but that is the same guy who wrote uh, i am legend which is fantastic great yeah. book not a great movie yeah, I say. Uh, depends on which version you watch. Right, which ending you watch. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Yeah, original series, I mean, obviously it started the whole thing. And it was one of those things, kind of like Star Wars A New Hope, where there was no expectation for this to become the, the cultural, momentous, cultural shifting thing that it became. I do think it's interesting that both Star Trek and Star Wars have become so embedded, almost like Lord of the Rings did for fantasy, Star Trek and Star Wars did for sci-fi. Absolutely. Well, and even uh, just going back and watching it now, um, just the ideas that they had for future technology and how mm-hmm. we've been able to watch those kind of be developed, be refined, and really have an impact on what even uh, our daily life looks like today. Mm-hmm. Um, Star really Trek cool. invented the iPad. Although I think that wasn't until next gen. I say there was a lot of things uh, Star Trek did first that yeah. are now real things all right now let's get to one i've actually watched a lot of (laughs) all right uh let's go ahead and talk about next gen Uh, i'm only about halfway through it but uh, so i'll kind of defer to you guys Uh, but jump in when i can so i so again i grew up watching episodes Mm -hmm. but it wasn't until well not recently but after i got out of college that i sat down and watched all of next gen because i think they dumped it on netflix before cbs all access uh, came out but i've always loved picard Right, that was my introduction to, to Patrick Stewart, who's phenomenal, and um, was the reason I wanted to go see X-Men, because I was like, oh my gosh, Patrick Stewart's in it. I gotta right. go watch this. And I've watched some other movies with him in it. He's, he's great. He's a fun actor. But yeah, Next Gen, when you watch it all as one chunk, it's interesting, because catching individual episodes, I, I always was like, yeah, this is a fun show. And then when, when I watch it all together, I would get really annoyed at the, well, their philosophy, because I love all the characters, mm-hmm. I love everything they do, but they're they're always and usually it's Picard. Usually, I, I think it, it really peaks when Picard is trying to convince Q that humanity is worth saving. Mm-hmm. And when Q's describing humanity, I'm like, yeah, that's that's humanity. Q's Q's nailed it. And Picard's like, no, we've eliminated hunger and we've eliminated this and that and the other. So we eliminated hunger and poverty, and then everyone's good now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but that's but then why are there wealthy people who are the most horrible people in the world? They don't have hunger. They don't have poverty. So why are they terrible people? So it's 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 just that it's it really grinds against what is very obviously the, the truth. And it's a, it's a, you know it's a nice obviously it's a nice optimistic approach. Like well, humanity's just going to get better. But that kind of died out. That that thought that line of thought pretty much died out. It was really high, riding high. That wave of, of humanism was riding really high in the 18th century. No, sorry, the 19th century got into the 20th century, and then we had two world wars, and that pretty much killed that. And Ben Roddenberry was just a really optimistic, hopeful that this was going to eventually happen. But of course, we know that that's not going to happen. And of course, all of us as Christians would say that that's never going to happen. Unless you're a post-millennial. Okay. Well, <laughs> right. that, we are definitely not getting into that. We are de- uh, we're, maybe we should just do a podcast. We should get Daniel on here to talk about <laughs> the different millennials and which one he thinks is right. Because he, he would do it, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, you know, I, I, I think it, if you dig down to it, it's pretty obvious that humanity just cannot improve itself. And 
you know, I think one of the interesting things about Next Generation is, even as you're watching it, mm-hmm. the show itself contradicts that notion yeah. all the time. Yeah. Like, I'm only like four, <laughs> I'm only, I think we're about to watch the finale of the fourth season. Mm-hmm. So I'm about a little over halfway through. And just one of the recurring things is just how Starfleet's being infiltrated, mm-hmm. how, you know, there's... In the original series, you pretty much can trust Starfleet. In the next generation, every time somebody from higher up shows up, it's a problem and there's going to be issues. And humans themselves are a lot of times introducing the conflict into the scenarios. Yeah. And of course, there was like, oh, we go against the Prime Directive all the time because there's this sense of absolute morality. Like, it's the right thing to do to help these people. But then they always bring that up. And, you know, do we follow the Prime Directive that we've set out for ourselves? Or do we follow, there's clearly some higher sense of morality that's coming from somewhere, and that's never really explained. Right. Speaking of Q, Q is what I, 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 I is such a good example of, Hollywood doesn't understand what words mean. <laughs> Q is omnipotent, except he's not. <laughs> so, and I just, in, just in my head, always is playing Inigo Montoya, I need to put this on the soundboard. Oh, you yeah. keep saying that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. <laughs> just, he's omnipotent. Okay, but then how did someone beat him? He's omnipotent. Okay, then how did he not know what Picard was going to do? Because if you're omnipotent, then he, he's, he's, he's also uh, well, omniscient, right? But, uh, yeah, I was going to uh, say, say omniscient, omniscient would mean that knowing. he, he knows. He's all, he's I think he's supposed yeah. to be both, but he's neither in mm. reality. Yeah. And the whole Q continuum thing is interesting because it's they're, they're omnipotent, quote-unquote omnipotent beings, but then they have wars, and so how, do, how does one kill Q and another Q if they're both omnipotent? That means one of them wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I've always found that funny that they didn't say the term they're they're crazy powerful mm-hmm. nigh unto gods but mm-hmm. they're not omnipotent mm-hmm. but they're no they say no they're omnipotent and maybe you know what maybe it's just Q's uh, Q's braggadocio where he's like yeah I'm omnipotent oh yeah but he's actually not <laughs> uh, speaking of which I love Q every episode he's in is fantastic and John Delancey is he's just wonderful he does a great he's a job. gem he's yeah. a gem yeah, and I, I, I love that they keep him in all the other Star Treks too, and so he has interactions with Cisco, <laughs> with Janeway, Janeway. Yeah. and the, the the episode with Cisco. It's actually really it's like in season one. I'm jumping ahead to DS9, but mm-hmm. he's he's like you're nothing like Picard because they get in a boxing match and Cisco just decks him. He's <laughs> <laughs> like Picard would never hit me. <laughs> yep. Do you have other thoughts on Next Gen before I talk about my thoughts um, on Next Gen? As soon as Lieutenant Yaris left and Worf came in, right. Fantastic. I didn't hate Lieutenant Yaris, but yeah. Worf is Yar- just such a... Yar- Yar- Yaris Yar- is, is, is a car by Toyota. Hmm. Well, <laughs> when, when she leaves it's a car. and Riker grows his beard, that's when this, the show takes off. I would say, uh, yes, there's a big uh, fa- fan theory of Riker beard brings success within Next Gen. So. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, and it wasn't that Lieutenant Yar was a bad character. Right. It's just that Worf is such an interesting character. Right. Mm-hmm. Data... Fantastic! I, mm-hmm. I love I love Data as a character. All the major who's the Doctor in that one? That's uh, Doctor Crusher. Yeah, Dr. that's Crusher. right. Yes, yeah. Crusher. Gates McFadden. She's she's fantastic. Um, Belana Troy is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the major characters are just great and so well done. So uh, mm-hmm. also the introduction of the Borg, which is right. arguably one of the best enemies in one of the best antagonists in science fiction, right. maybe in literature in general. It's such a good antagonist mm-hmm. and it's one of, they're one of those things that it, even if you're not a big fan of star trek if you are in that circle at all you've heard a little bit about the borg and um you know their introduction their episode where they're uh, not their introduction but with the two-parter 
where they come back is considered one of the best uh, cliffhanger endings of all time. Mm-hmm. Oh, you, yeah. Uh, they leave off with Picard, and it's just... Right. Uh, that's something, even before I saw the reboot, I had some knowledge of, you know, the Borg, that, that episode, mm-hmm. just because it that just had such an impact. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of my favorite episodes, and I don't know the name of it, or what season it's in, but I remember the main point is Picard gets kidnapped by Cardassians, and they're interrogating him. There are four lights! Four lights! It's, uh, uh, I love I think that's that. my favorite episode, I too. I love that episode. It's yeah. so good. See, and that's what I love about Star Trek is sometimes it has a really good treatment on philosophical issues. Even if it's overarching philosophy is not great mm-hmm. and falls flat a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they just nail it. Mm-hmm. Like, what is truth? And the Kardashians telling him there are three lights. No, there are. Oh, I love that episode so much. Yeah. Um, the one where they're caught in a time loop and Data notices because he starts stealing the cards to, to signal. Yeah. You seen that one yet? Not yet, but like I said, don't worry about spoilers. It's it's not really a spoiler. It becomes very obvious very yeah. early that they're stuck in a time loop. Right. Uh, that's a great episode. The ones... <laughs> all the Q episodes where they go to Sherwood Forest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I am not a merry man! <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it because they're clearly just like, look at all these costumes we have. We gotta do something. Like, the holodeck was designed just so they could play around with a right. bunch of different costumes. Right. I love it. They didn't have to justify when they wanted to, you know, go somewhere like they did in the original series. Like, yeah, this is a planet that is exactly like Earth, except for this, this one This planet tiny takes difference. place in gun smoke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right, let's move on. To, yeah. I, I, I could, I could t- speak a lot more. Can I talk about next year? Yeah, go. Oh, yeah, can I not let you speak? <laughs> no. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I've still got a little to say, too. Ah, go ahead. Okay. All right. Um, next gen for me, I think every Star Trek series has its merits, but I think what I enjoy the most about next gen, um, are the, the cast of characters. I think that's got the best ensemble cast of any of the Star Trek series. And I love them all. And I think they're all great ensemble cast, but I think next gen is probably the best. The, uh, the, <laughs> because I came to Star Trek as an adult, didn't watch it growing up. I am having these weird reactions watching the TV series when, um, in my head, Patrick Stewart is Professor X. Um, <laughs> and um, Bellana, uh, or, uh, Deanna Troy, uh, Deanna Troy is uh, Demona from Gargoyles. I was like, why is she nice? Why is she a counselor? Um, <laughs> a, a Commander Riker is Xanatos on Gargoyles. Like, half the cast of Next Gen jumped to Gargoyles after Next Gen ended. So, and that was my, that's my all-time favorite animated series. And so I just was having all these weird reactions. It's like, is Jordi LaForge going to read me a book? This is, <laughs> you know, this is um, fascinating. Brent Spiner was on there, too. So, man, yeah. I think my favorite episode, too, is the There Are Four Lights. So um, yeah, I, I think Next Gen is interesting because um, that's the last series that Gene Roddenberry was directly mm-hmm. involved in. Mm-hmm. And so, and as if, if I understand correctly, Gene Roddenberry is a secular humanist. Yes, 100%. Um, yeah, so he, you know, he has the philosophy of that humans can grow and improve and, and be better. And, and, you know, his his world building reflects that. Mm-hmm. Some of the things that you addressed, uh, your concern regarding uh, optimism, Nathaniel, Picard actually, I think, the Picard series um, deals directly with that. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll talk about that when it's we get there. It's on the there. list. Okay, yeah, we'll <laughs> talk about that when we get there. But yeah, I think for me, what I enjoy the most about uh, Next Gen is just watching the cast interact. Michael Dorn, also in Gargoyles. Mm. Um, he's Cold Stone. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he's some. Uh, he's a... Uh, somebody else in the Goliath Chronicles as well, which is the third season. Anyway, 
but yeah, just the the cast is great. Um, I like that. I like all of the episodes where you get to explore Worf as a Klingon who was raised by humans mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and how he deals with that conflict while not losing the identity of either race. I think that's just a, a especially interesting dynamic. Yeah, I think what I've enjoyed about it so far, again, is just the cast, the ensemble is so well put together. Um, we talked about that a lot already. Uh, I think so far in Star Trek, Data is my absolute favorite character. He's uh, wonderful. His exploration of humanity from like this you can't even say joyful really but like this optimistic approach and he's trying to learn things Uh, we just watched uh the episode where he uh one of the other crewmen decides that she wants to date him and he goes through this dating relationship Mm -hmm. it's just so interesting to watch or watch his reactions to the rest of the cast and their experiences right and then so far we were talking earlier about you know sometimes how despite the overarching philosophy not really agreeing with it they tackle an issue and they just hit it head on they just do it so well we actually just watched an episode uh where there's a spy on board the enterprise they bring in basically a team of investigators and basically it just becomes a witch hunt and they're going through and just throwing out half truths lies just trying to trip people up and i was just sitting there thinking you know in our internet culture where we're just always looking for a flaw looking for a way to attack people just how interesting that was Mm -hmm. again only about only a little over halfway through, but just absolutely loving it so far. Again, talking about Patrick Stewart, talking about Picard. Uh, again, two captains only so far, but I'm definitely uh, enjoying Picard as a captain. I think more because the, sh- the new show is an ensemble cast, whereas Kirk was definitely kind of the main character of the original series. Picard is like supporting cast almost mm-hmm. for episodes focused on other characters most of the time, which I think is a more interesting dynamic. Have you seen, I showed this to my dad, and he didn't appreciate it as much as I wanted him to. Someone took, um, you know, he's like trying to learn the flute. Yeah. And it keeps, he keeps getting interrupted. Mm-hmm. Someone overlaid that with just like really, really bad flute music. <laughs> and then every time it cuts away, it cuts away to the rest of the crew. Be like, Captain, we're, we're about to crash. Leave me alone. <laughs> and then the Enterprise explodes. It's, it's. I that cannot say amazing. I've seen that one, but that sounds fantastic. All right, are you guys ready to move on to Deep Space Nine? Let's do it. Y'all are going to have to lead on from here for the most part, because right. that's all I've got. All right. Um, Nathaniel, you and I have talked about this before, but I think we both agree that of all the Star Trek series, Deep Space Nine has the best writing. Yes, um, I agree. Um, also, I one of the things I really like about Deep Space Nine is that it is the first Star Trek series to deal with religion of any kind. Yeah. Um, and I think that's interesting because Gene Roddenberry definitely was adamant that Star Trek's not going to talk about religion. There are a few episodes of Next Gen where they meet religious right. people, but they always they they always write it off as just it's a it's a an aberration of evolution, right. and eventually that goes away. Yeah, right. I was going to say that. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> Whereas New Space Nine, the Bajoran religion mm-hmm. is um, a primary focal point throughout mm-hmm. the entire series. Mm-hmm. So I think I think that's really interesting. I also think it's interesting that it's it's the uh, only series where uh, they're stationary. Uh, yeah. D- Deep Space Nine is a space station. Um, so instead of boldly going where no one's gone before, everybody is coming through the wormhole and hanging out <laughs> at Quarks. <Yeah. laughs> and, and to me, that's what, when I think about all the series, and I like all of them, maybe mm-hmm. not Enterprise. We're going to get to that one. Mm-hmm. The that's what makes it so interesting is is because they don't have this whole boldly going where no man has gone before and, mm-hmm. and getting into all which... Uh, when we talk about Voyager next, mm-hmm. this is one of was one of its stumbling blocks in in in, in some ways. 
but they really got to focus on the character and this culture clash between Cardassia and Bajor mm -hmm. and the effects of an occupation, a hostile occupation, and the wounds of war and religion and all these topics that they didn't really touch on. Or, or if they did, it was like one episode. Right. But there are these just entrenched things that even if they're not focal points, they impact what everyone's doing. Uh, the Dominion and Odo... Uh, Kira and her work in the Resistance, and Garrick, who's just the most mm -hmm. fascinating character, and Gal Dukat, and I just every part of it I love so much. And I'm gonna say Cisco's my captain. Cisco's your with captain. Janeway in close second, and Picard in close third. Cisco is great. Yeah, I I thought um, again Star Trek great ensemble casts. I think if I were gonna pick a favorite character, I would probably uh, choose uh, Kira. Mm, Major Kira. Fantastic. I've actually gotten to meet Nana Visitor. Um, she came to Con Carolinas in 2016, I believe. I'm a little jealous. Um, she is a super, super nice lady. Took a picture with me, got to shake her hand. So yeah, Major Kira is my favorite. I, I enjoyed watching how she starts the series very, very angry. Mm hmm and watching how her character grows from there. Oh, yeah. I just thought that was a, such an interesting dynamic, and then her relationship with Odo was just fascinating. Uh, I just, I really, really enjoyed mm -hmm. uh, watching her arc. It's really interesting because both her and O'Brien have to deal with their, their essentially, their racism against Cardassians. Oh, yeah. Which was, you know, it, it'd be the same reason that, you know, a Jewish POW would be racist against Germans. And it's really interesting to watch them grow and like, okay, not all, it's, there's one really good episode, I think it's in the first season, mm -hmm. where this guy shows up and, and it, he, you know, he's like, I'm Gal Darheel, who was apparently some horrible leader. And it turns out he's just a file clerk. And that he's, he has convinced himself that the only way Cardassia is ever going to acknowledge its sins is if he goes and, and gets executed for this, tried and executed for Gal Darheel's stuff. And Kira finds out. And, you know, the Kira from the previous episodes would have been like, yeah, kill him, he's Cardassian. But right. in this one, she, 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 you see her start to grow and say, not all Cardassians deserve to die. Yeah. Especially not one who, <clears throat> even though he wasn't able to do anything at the time, mm -hmm. recognized that it was horrible and is willing to try to, to make atonement for it. Right. And O'Brien is just, he takes longer to come around to, to not hating Cardassians. But mm -hmm. it, it's really interesting that they both have this this internal because of what they experienced during the occupation they have this internal hatred of cardassians and are in a position where they have to interact with a lot of cardassians right i think um jumping back in because that's one of the things i'm kind of looking forward to i really enjoyed them getting introduced in deep space nine and seeing o'brien's reaction i thought that was actually uh, really great character building and i'm looking forward to seeing that explored more in the future especially hearing you guys talk about it yeah, O'Brien and O'Brien and Worf. I don't remember. Worf hasn't come in yet. Where me and my dad are rewatching it, and we're halfway through the second season. Yeah, I think. And Worf hasn't come in yet. Yeah, but he's they, great. they they come in at the third season because that's when Next Gen ended. Right, right. He's great. I I also think um, it's funny. I could rank crew members. So Worf is the best chief of security in both Next Gen and and DS Nine. I like Julian as a doctor. I love Doctor Bashir. He's, he's great. I really he was. Love it was Bashir. really weird to see him play Rachel Ghoul on uh, Gotham. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, so he's I, Rachel I, Ghoul. I, I'm like, you're you're supposed to be healing people. Why are you doing? I was very disappointed that his role in Game of Thrones was not larger. Yeah, I. Yeah. Not the, much there's uh, well, you know, who was there, he? I've um, read it, so I might recognize shoot. the character name. Um, Prince of Dorne. Oh, okay. Um, Oberon's brother. Okay. Yeah. Over in Martell's brother, um, Doran, Doran Martell. 
Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, because I, I think he's great, and again, that's about yeah, he's so, a, so many things I could say about Game of Thrones that we're, we're not going to... Uh, maybe you and Greg can do that because I, I have not watched it. I've read the books, so I can pitch in on the books. I, I have done both. So, but what else about oh, what that? So one of the other things that's interesting about and and this I didn't realize until I saw someone pointing it out mm-hmm. is all the, a lot of the sh- trouble the ships get into, especially Voyager. Voyager is like the most guilty of this. Is they're tinkering with their own systems and or doing some some experiment thing and they run into trouble. I, I just love that. On Deep Space Nine, it's really just a battle between O'Brien and the space station. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, like, they never cause their own problems. Quark causes a couple problems. I love Quark's character. Even if... Quark is great. Even if the Ferengi are arguably probably a... a potentially a problematic representation. Yeah. I think Quark is awesome. And you see him grow too, which is really interesting. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and his brother Nog is... Uh, no, his, his brother is... His brother is... No, his um, brother is Nog. No, Nog is the kid. Nog is his nephew. Yeah. Nog's dad. What's, yeah, Nog's dad. Oh my gosh, what's his name? Yeah, I'm blanking. Oh my gosh, okay. I'm gonna Google it. Who was Nog's dad? Rom. 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 Rom, there you go. I, I love Rom. Rom is adorable. He's he's like the most un-Ferengi Ferengi. And he's... When he tries to be the stereotypical Ferengi and he's bad at it, it's... Hysterical. I love I love Rom. Yeah, Rom is great. One of the things I'm thinking about while you guys are bringing this up that's really interesting about Star Trek as a whole, and I'm just starting to see so far, is they introduce, you know, this race of people or mm-hmm. this race of uh, beings that's just irredeemable. Mm-hmm. And even as far as I, as far in as I am, they've completely, you know, they'll bring in a character, they'll bring in, uh, you know, they'll introduce a character into the crew, and it's here's the other side of. You know, like even just exploring Worf and the Klingon in the first series, mm-hmm. you wouldn't think a Klingon and uh, oh yeah, the Federation get get along at all, right? Um, and then Worf comes in, you kind of see this duality of his natures, like you were talking about before, and you mm-hmm. kind of get to it's just this message of you know, no matter how bad it looks, you need to try and see it from the other side, and you can actually it's that hopefulness you can mm-hmm. integrate those cultures, you can mm-hmm. bridge mm-hmm. the gap, kind and of and that I would say is. It's funny, you know, all truth is God's truth. That idea that no one's actually irredeemable. Right. I think mm-hmm. it's a really important message, especially in today's culture of you don't, you culture. disagree with me, you're the worst person ever, and you're literally Hitler. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think that is, and that's why I will accept the humanism if we could just get back that optimism of people are redeemable. Right. Um, even these races that were bred for war or whatever still have good people in them. Mm-hmm. Good people. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, why don't you bring that up? Because the Klingons in the original series look nothing like the Klingons now. Mm-hmm. They actually, <laughs> they in an episode of Deep bit. Space Nine, they yeah. go back in time. The, the, the Tribbles episode. The Tribbles episode. Yes. They go back in time and uh, I don't remember who, but mentions to Worf, like, why did the Klingons look different? And Worf just says, we don't talk we about don't that. We don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, I love that's that because awesome. they're like, they explained it by not explaining it. <laughs> well, and, and they, again, you have a variation on Klingon head bridges in mm-hmm. Discovery, that's mm-hmm. different too. So mm-hmm. I, I, the whole thing is very interesting. To yeah, me. yeah, it's that's and I mentioned this when we talked about Star Wars. The prosthetic work in Star Trek is just so good. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so good, and it really shows the dedication that they made. All these really, they look real. Yeah, all the prosthetics, almost all of them. Mm-hmm. There may be one or two exceptions, but you look at him like that person is like that. Like Worf right. has those head ridges. The the Cardassians have that crazy scale thing going on. Mm-hmm. And and you think about 
Uh, there's a character on Deep Space Nine called Morn. He's like a joke character. Yeah, he never Morn. speaks a single line of dialogue. <laughs> He's mentioned in a couple episodes. They have like one special episode where they have to save Morn or something like that. Mm-hmm. It had to take hours to put his prosthetic on. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just, that level of dedication in your craft, and I think Discovery, to a certain extent, held on to this, even though they, because the Klingons look really good. Right. That, I don't think that was CGI. I could be wrong. Uh, if it was, not to my knowledge. If it was, it was really good. But I think yeah. they, for the most part, did prosthetic work right. in Picard and in Discovery. Discovery. And it just looks really good. It's amazing what you could do with prosthetics. Yeah. And they, they put a lot of detail, like you were saying, even to the background characters. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things I've really enjoyed watching uh, Next Generation is, you know, there's just these alien races just walking around in the background. Mm-hmm. You never even, at least until this point, I've never even, you know, met a character, like a named character from there. But I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm starting to recognize right. different mm-hmm. uh, things. And, and that's cool. one thing that Star Trek does really well is it shows this the crazy diversity of all these different planets mm-hmm. without having to say, hey, look, we have 12 different planets, or 12, 12,000 different planets, and here's an alien from each one. You're just like, oh, who is that guy? I yeah. want to know about that guy. Yeah. And it keeps you, it, it keeps intrigue without over-explaining things. And right. I think um, the parallel of that in Star Wars would be the cantina scene where they mm-hmm. walk into the cantina mm-hmm. and there's just a million, billion different yeah. awesome-looking all, aliens all sitting around. Critters. And they don't explain any of it. Yeah. They're just like, oh, there's Han Solo. <laughs> and it's like, it, it builds, it, it's really good Example of showing over telling. But yeah, Deep Space Nine, my favorite. Do you have a favorite episode? Oh, that's a, such a hard question. I, I, The Dominion episodes are so good. Thank but you. I think this, I think Deep Space Nine was the one where they introduced the dark galaxy, the, the dark universe, the dark mirror universe. They may have done it in Next Gen. But I know in Deep Space Nine, and they mention it in Discovery, they reference it. Are you, I mean, I'm sorry, would you say that? The dark universe. You're talking about Mirror Mirror? No, no, no. Which is... Maybe. But in Deep Space Nine, I know they go to... There is an alternate version. There's an alternate universe where all the good guys are evil. That's actually uh, from... That started out in the original series. I say, that was an original original series. series? Yeah, yeah. yeah, That's... Yeah, the Mirror Universe is is started with original series. The Deep Space Nine one is... is A version of that is really good. Yeah, they... The Mirror Universe gets... It it, it recurs. (laughs) It recurs, yeah. Yeah. I I love the Mirror Universe. And it's been used to... uh, I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah. But Mirror Universe is awesome. Yeah. And I think that was a really good Deep Space Nine episode. Though, honestly, the finale was the really good. Is, is and great. just wild. I think my personal favorite is probably Far Beyond the Stars. What? I don't, um, I don't do episode names. Far Beyond the Stars is the one where uh, Cisco has these unusual brain patterns and he goes back to the 1950s and he's a oh, sci- he's struggling so good. science fiction writer, has to deal with racism. And things like that. Oh man, he he acts so well. Oh, he, I I cried. Yeah, I oh, cried. Yeah, so far, every time they do time travel back to the modern day or back mm-hmm. to you know what was at the time the modern day, it's really held up well. It's really I've found it really enjoyable, mm-hmm. uh, even in the two series I've watched. Here we go. Yeah. It's about my story, isn't it? That's what this is all about. He didn't want to publish my story, and we all know why. Because my hero is a colored man. This magazine belongs to Mr. Stone. If he doesn't want to publish this month, we don't publish this month. End of story. That doesn't make it right, and you know it. Don't tell me what I know. Besides, it's not about what's right. It's about what is. And I'm afraid I've got some more bad news for you, Benny. Mr. Stone has decided that your services are no longer required here. What? For firing me? I have no choice, Benny. It's his decision. Well, you can't fire me 
I quit. To hell with you. And to hell with no! Try to stay calm, Benny. No, I'm tired of being calm. Calm never got me a damn thing. I'm warning you, Benny, if, if you don't stop this, I'm going to call the police. You go ahead, call them! Call anybody you want. They can't do anything to me. Not anymore. And nor can any of you. Deny me all you want. But you cannot deny Ben Sisko exists. That future, that space station, all those people, they exist in here. In my mind, I created it. And every one of you know it. You read it. It's here. You, you, you hear what I'm telling you? You can pop a story, but you cannot destroy an idea. Don't you understand? That's ancient knowledge. You cannot destroy an idea. The future, I created it, and it's real. Don't you understand? It is real. I created it, and it's real. So good. Yeah. It's so good. And if he didn't win an Emmy for that, he deserved an Emmy for that. Goodness so, gracious. See, he actually, Avery Brooks actually directed that episode as well. It's just fantastic. Oh, so good. He, he, he's so good at turning on his emotions. I, yeah. I think all the captains have been pretty good yeah. at at emoting. Uh, mm-hmm. Shatner maybe got a little weird about it. <laughs> <laughs> he had his own style. Why? Yeah. Yes. Why? <laughs> yes. But when, when push came to shove, right, uh, uh, Wrath of Khan... He showed he oh. can he can he can choose some scenery. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Man. But man, that's oh, that's a great episode. Yeah, the that's one true. where they go back to um, I think it's a two parter where they go back to Earth during the bad years yeah, of the future. Yeah, that's really, and that, they, yes, that they that take part is, in the resistance is, is fantastic. That's, that's really good. Yeah, all was... the DS Nine time travel episodes are all really good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Any other thoughts on Deep Space? <sighs> Before we head off, I, I love Odo. I love Bashir. I love Garrick. Garrick's such a such an interesting character. He just kind of pops in and pops out, and yeah. is just super enigmatic and and just like plays Bashir all over the place. I I just I find it to be it's DS9 is my favorite series. I just love it so much. Yeah. Uh, any oh, final and, thoughts, Ashley? Um, no. I, I think I think Far Beyond the Stars is a really great summation of why I love DS9 so mm-hmm. much. Just creative with their writing and i love i love the concept of you can't kill an idea mm-hmm. um and and in the way that um fiction becomes real um mm-hmm. it, it for me at least um i would be a very different person but for the stories i read mm-hmm. as a kid and mm-hmm. watched and even as an adult like i i am still very shaped by the stories i interact with uh and i i think that that's a perfect metaphor for that and i also want to say kai win Kai Wynn, I, uh, I hate her. I always, I always have so much respect for actors who can go out there and make me right. loathe them. Right, mm-hmm. right. Like the guy who played uh, Joffrey apparently did did a really uh, good job. And apparently he's a super super nice guy yeah. in real life. And that's like always the case. They always pick the the biggest jerk people on television. All right, so uh, Kai Wynn, she's the worst. Uh. She's just the worst person. In existence, she's manipulative, Ugh. and she, she backstabs everyone and, and switches her, sides. She has like this Dolores Umbridge kind of voice, yep. where she's yep. all like, 
well then. And and like it's it's very matter of fact tone. Mm-hmm. She does mm-hmm. not like emote like she she it's it's like this is how it is yeah. and you know and, and she's clearly manipulating oh, yeah. the religion to right. further her it, cause it, yes. and doesn't actually seem to believe in it at all. Right. It, it's a tool. Uh, so moving on to Voyager. Uh, I'll let you start at this uh, one. You can go as long as you want to. Oh, man. Um, Voyager is my favorite. If I'm choosing a captain, I am going all the way to the Delta Quadrant with Janeway. <laughs> every single time. Hopefully you get back. Uh, hopefully, yeah. I think just a couple of things just off the top of my head, what I really like about Voyager overall I think you have the most diverse cast in terms of Star Trek people groups. You know, we get you know we get a, a we get a new Vulcan, and, and I and you know T- uh, Tuvok is very different from Spock mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. You have uh, Neelix, who is um, what is Neelix race? Oh goodness, I'm totally blanking. I'm just gonna Google what is Neelix. Right, um, Kess is an Ocampa. We mm-hmm. you know the first time we see an Ocampa, then you've got um, Balana. Uh, Torres, who's half human, half Klingon. Mm-hmm. It's very different. Neelix is Talaxian. Talaxian. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so you've you've got a, a diverse cast, which I, I personally just find very interesting um, to watch how all of these different kinds of people interact. I really... I, I love uh, the Doctor, uh, who's a hologram. That's new and interesting. I And, and I just... Robert uh, Picardo is hilarious. I, I think he's my favorite doctor. Uh, I, he's he's uh, he's Ryan's favorite doctor as well. <laughs> uh, for the uninitiated, Ryan is my husband. Uh, but he he loves Robert Picardo. He and uh, Ethan Ethan Phillips, uh, who played Neelix, apparently I listened to a podcast once where um, apparently these guys go up for the same roles a lot because they they have the you know the, the same type of like older middle-aged balding guy (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so um uh ethan phillips was saying how um he he would go and audition for a role and then he wouldn't get it and then he'd find out robert picardo got it and he couldn't even be mad because he loves robert so much (laughs) um i just find that funny but what i i one of the things i i like the most about voyager is that you really get an opportunity to get creative you get to go to all these places nobody's ever been to before because mm-hmm. nobody's ever been out that far into the Delta Quadrant. Mm-hmm. I think also the um, the ways the cast was forced to adapt uh, or the crew was forced to adapt to um, things like we can't just replicate all of our food. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to find alternate energy sources. Mm-hmm. And uh, also just having the dynamic of having a woman captain um, is, is something new and interesting. Last November, I got to go to Rhode Island Comic Con and uh, I got to meet uh, Kate Mulgrew, who's, who's amazing. She's just a wonderful human. And uh, to hear her talk about how when she uh, was brought in um, as the captain, how... Again, I don't understand why you have this dynamic in the Star Trek fandom where um, you had a lot of people who were really upset. There's a woman in the captain's chair. I've um, never understood that. I, it, just like when they, they were like, oh, the doctor's female now. And right. I knew I, he was 11 years old, so I forgive him. Right. He was like, I don't want a female cat, or female doctor. It, it, right. it's, it, it, it will seem really weird. Like, the doctor's a weird alien thing. It, doesn't <laughs> ma- it could be a, a, like a, 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 a sentient tree. Right. It'd still be the doctor. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, there was a lot of fan backlash. Mm-hmm. And so 
there were weird things that they they tried to do with her like behind the scenes to make her more appealing to that fan base mm. and she's just basically said f it um because they kept doing like weird things like if you'll notice in like seasons one and two like they keep doing weird things with her hair all the time yeah. and and, <laughs> and, and she's that. like captain janeway has to pilot uh, like run a ship out of the delta quadrant who the f cares what she does with her hair <laughs> like just going yeah, I, I feel like it's her it's her coping mechanism right and she just she, she <laughs> like to calm down in the morning like oh my god we're lost in the delta quadrant she just styles her hair like, okay we're good let's cap it <laughs> yeah so and, like that was that was a thing uh and they thought about like giving her a love interest and basically she actually came down and said listen if they're not going to accept Captain Janeway in the captain's role, then nothing else that we do is really going to change that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's why And she was adamant that Janeway wouldn't have a love interest. Mm-hmm. You know, eventually she cut her hair shorter and it didn't matter anymore. <laughs> um, you know, she's like, she's busy being the captain. And I, I thought that was really, I, I, that's, I really respect that. Mm-hmm. Um, just that, from an acting standpoint, because I know how difficult that must have been for her to have to deal with that mm-hmm. i think the thing that i admire about her as a care as a, as a character is that even when she faces all of these incredibly difficult situations she persists mm-hmm. and, and and still moves forward and mm-hmm. doesn't stop she doesn't let anything stop her and even like uh, you know in the finale when you know they're almost home they're almost there but then they have this opportunity to really cripple the board mm-hmm. and she's like we have to take that risk because the board is so dangerous mm-hmm. um kate mulgrew's angry voice just makes me really happy i don't know what that says about I, me no i totally agree but uh but yeah like to hell with the prime directive <laughs> like, <laughs> amen sister yeah why did i ever stop drinking this stuff <laughs> <laughs> yeah i she's, do drink my coffee black so she's uh she's a phenomenal captain mm-hmm. um so for me, I, I love Voyager, and I love Janeway, Picardo, Picardo, uh, the Doctor. Did they ever name the Doctor? They never mm-hmm. named him the do- uh, anything other than the Doctor. The Doctor is my favorite Doctor. I think he has the, he has such an interesting character arc. It's like him figuring out who he is, being a hall, an emergency hologram. You know, at first he's resisting, and then at right. some point he gets to the point where there's you know a chance of him being rebooted, and he's like, I don't want to be rebooted. I I have memories now. I'm a person now. Right. So it gets really interesting. I think for me the the first the first and we've talked about this mm-hmm. one of the reasons that I think Voyager struggles a little bit in terms of cohesiveness when you compare it to Next Gen or to Deep Space Nine all of them are episodic which mm-hmm. is not it's it's a fine format mm-hmm. the difference is Voyager there are obviously the episodes where they have to interact with the Kazon who are mm-hmm. I, the Kazon are annoying because it's like they're going after Voyager to steal their technology because they're they want the technology right. but they always beat voyager in a fight so i'm like clearly the technology is not that good you're <laughs> i don't get it uh but there's a lot of stuff where they put themselves in that situation and they really should be focused on getting home mm-hmm. whereas in next gen when they put themselves in that situation it's like well they're supposed to be exploring they're not in a rush to get home mm-hmm. but i really think once seven of nine comes on board seven is when is so it really takes off because the, the whole crew dynamic changes, and then the board becomes an imminent threat again. Mm-hmm. And it, I, yeah, it's all just really, really fascinating. Um, I, I honestly think one of the reasons the, it takes a little while to get going is because for a long time, it focuses a lot of time on Tom Paris and Harry Kim, who are just not interesting characters compared to the rest of the crew. Mm. 
they're fine and they get better. I like Tom and Harry. I do too. They get better. I do too. But but there's there's a lot of episodes early in the. My dad just started rewatching this as well, mm-hmm. so I've just watched like the first season and a half, mm-hmm. and it really spends a lot of time on Tom and Harry, mm-hmm. and they don't do much. Like right. nothing happens. So I'm like, I want to know what Janeway is doing. I want to know what Chakotay and Tuvok and Bellana are doing. Like mm-hmm. the whole Maquis part. Mm-hmm. That's the Kazon part to me wasn't that interesting, but the whole Maquis element mm-hmm. I think is fascinating with. Here are these traders, and Jamie's like, "We have to work together, or we're not getting home." So, right. saddle up. Chakotay's gonna be not number one. Yeah, and which is a bold move because, like, we are we were literally enemies. The whole reason we got here is we were chasing you down. I'm making you my second in command because we have to make this work. Right. I just i I think it it really ramps up, and I think the finale I loved. I thought it was so cool. Oh, so where, good. Where Janeway is yelling at Janeway. <laughs> Janeway's like, you've gone too far, Janeway's like, you haven't gone too far enough. I, the finale was awesome. It's such a great finale. Do but, you have a, do you, oh, sorry. Do I have a favorite episode? Uh, that was what I was about to ask you. I love the finale. I think yeah. the finale is spectacular. If I had to pick another one, I think the episode where they, the or the two, I think it's a two-parter, where they team up with the Borg, is, and like right before they get seven. Yeah. That one's really cool. That one's very um, interesting. Uh, the one the one where the doctor has to run the ship by himself. <laughs> yeah. That one's great. But uh, there's yeah. this one really, really interesting episode. I don't remember what else happens, but I remember. Mm-hmm. So Bellana, I think Bellana gets with Chakotay, right? Oh, Bellana ends up with Tom Paris. Tom Paris. That's yeah. right. Bellana and Tom are having a baby. Yeah. And so she's sitting at this computer desk, messing with her kid's genetics to try and make him look more human. Because she's she's remembering the persecution she got right. for looking half Klingon, for right. being half Klingon, right. and is saying, "Wouldn't it be better for my kid if they didn't have to go through this?" Mm-hmm. And then Tom Paris comes in, and they have this conversation of, "It doesn't matter what my kid looks like; I'm going to love them anyways." And she's like, "Of course we will, because we're 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 their parents, but I don't want them to have to suffer like I did." Because right. regardless of what this kid looks like, we're going to love them. But not everyone, people people will look at our kid and see the Klingon ridges and and hate them. And mm-hmm. I don't want my kid to have to go through that. So right. I thought that was a fascinating episode. Yeah, yeah, that and, was good. I, it's been a long time since I've seen that one. That's that's a really fascinating point. Yeah, it was, I, I was, I was like, that, for, for, for PG sci-fi, that's really deep. Yeah. And they did a really good treatment of, of both, you know, there's merit on both sides, but I think they ultimately made the decision, we want our child to be our child and we're going to love them no matter what they look like. For sure. Um, so I thought that was really, really cool. I think my favorite, I mean, all the ones you mentioned are fantastic. I think my favorite standalone is uh, Macrocosm. Uh, among the fan base, the, occasionally that one's called the Janeway Gun Show. Um, but it's basically a spoof on Alien, which is my all-time favorite movie. And oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I and so I, I love it. I love it for that reason. Um, <laughs> but uh, I watched that one again um, the weekend I went up for Rhode Island Comic Con with, with uh, a buddy of mine. And uh, also, uh, also a big Janeway fan. So we were watching that one again. She's like, oh, you like that get Janeway gun show. She's from Rhode Island, so she talks <laughs> like that. Um, and I was like... I don't think it's actually called the Janeway Gun Show. She's like, no, nah, no, nah, but that's a good episode. <laughs> so we watched that one together. It was really fun. Um, but yeah, my, Macrocosm is my favorite, largely because it is a spoof on Alien. And that one was really fun. <laughs> that one is good. I, the, the the one episode of Voyager where Q is there is also really good. He's like hitting on a... Janeway. And Janeway's just not having oh, any of it. No, Janeway's like, no. get out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one, too. It's a fun episode. All right, it sounds like you guys are ready to move on to talk about Enterprise. 
This will be brief. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's been five or six years since I've seen Enterprise, and I've only seen like a handful of episodes since then, so probably a little brief, but I, okay. I, I have some thoughts. Okay, so let me let me summarize my feelings about Enterprise. So here's the intro to the original series. Space, a final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds. Did it actually last five years? Uh, no, three seasons only, so. But, uh, letter-writing campaign got it that third season. It's a kind of orchestral, mm-hmm. but, but sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Here's Next Gen. Space. The final frontier. I love that voice. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's continuing mission to explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no one has gone before. Ah, they changed it to no one. Here's Deep Space Nine. Which version? Uh, the season one version. Okay. They they I mean they shortened it, but oh, they they add a percussion as well. Yeah, I, I, we don't need to listen to both. The, the feel is the important part. Right. I do love the horns. They, uh, Star Trek has always made good use of the French horn. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's my favorite. I love it. And here's Voyager. Again with the with the horns, and they've all just been these majestic. Right. Sa- they sound like you're going into space. Right. Mm-hmm. And then here's Enterprise. Anyways, I think I've made my point. <laughs> I, I like this song. Like, I was so taken aback the first time I watched Enterprise. I was like, what the heck was that? Mm-hmm. But by the time I got to the end of the series, like, my husband and I are both, like, belting this theme song out. Yeah, and, and, and it's, it's not a bad theme song. It's just, it's so out of, it feels so out of place compared to the other stuff. It And I didn't understand why they did a prequel. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know. Well, because, like, when we talk about Discovery, Discovery was a prequel, but they did it in a way that I liked it. Right. Enterprise was just kind of 
boring. And the characters just didn't click. I I don't know. I There's a lot of the characters I really like. Uh, my favorite character from Enterprise, and one of my all-time favorite Star Trek characters, just period, is uh, Trip. Um, Charles Tucker III. Hmm. Um, what I love about Trip is I love... I love his gumption. Mm -hmm. I love his courage. I love... I, I think what really drew me to him is that he's a very positive portrayal of a Southern person. Mm -hmm. Which yeah. you don't see very often in popular media. And mm -hmm. I was very disappointed when I learned Connor Trenier is actually from Washington State. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> it's called acting. <laughs> I know. But his accent, like, it didn't feel put on to mm -hmm. me. Uh, like, I mean, he sounds like my uncles. <laughs> I'm from East Tennessee, uh, so I mean, yeah. I I know what people from the South are supposed to sound like, and he 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 does that. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think it was without merit. I yeah. I, I didn't hate it. Yeah. It just didn't live up to the standard that the other ones had set, and it didn't feel like they were exploring anything that interesting. And I think that was maybe if they had said it in it could have been prequel, mm -hmm. but if they had said it in a different location. It didn't feel like we were actually learning interesting new things. Well, you do get a... Um, I think, like, some of the stuff with the Zindi is actually very interesting. Mm. And I've only watched all watched all of it through once, so the details are fuzzy. But yeah, I thought, it's been like, a while. The, the arcs in, in that were, were fairly interesting. I really loved the dynamic between uh, T'Pol and... You know, this is the first time a Vulcan is on a starship. Mm -hmm. And uh, watching them learn to interact and get along well was just really interesting for mm -hmm. me um jolene blaylock is it's very underrated also apparently if you see her in real life you will not recognize her as to paul because she looks <laughs> she's actually blonde and what, um, what was the name of bacula's captain um captain archer archer that's yeah. right mm -hmm. i i don't think scott bacula's a bad actor i mm -hmm. i don't think he was bringing his a game I haven't seen him in enough stuff to know so i mean i've really only watched that and then uh he's chuck's dad in chuck yeah, I mean, I, Enterprise just didn't grab me the way the other ones did. Yeah, and and, and again, I I think all Star Trek has its merits. Yeah. Um, I, I I like I like the characters, mm -hmm. um, but Star and, Trek has always done great characters. Well, and also, if I understand correctly, there is some technical history, like why Enterprise didn't last as long. It wasn't just that it wasn't yeah. received as well. Um, How many that, seasons did it get? Uh, it only went for three. Yeah, or four it did seasons. not go very long. Um. If I understand correctly, it ended about the time the UPN network ended, which was yeah. what uh, Paramount was trying to establish their own TV network. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. uh, Voyager originally aired on UPN. Enterprise did as well. That network did not get off the ground like they wanted. And uh, obviously it doesn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so there, there are some problems with that as well. So there's some external conflict. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. It, it just, and again, when I was watching it, I didn't hate it. But I also remember I, it didn't get me excited like other Star Trek did. I personally didn't want them to do a, to, to do a prequel because mm -hmm. I, I didn't really... I wanted... Again, I was very young at the time, so I was like, I want more technology. I don't want us to regress in technology. And but I, I think I, I would be okay with it now. Although Discovery, again, went back to the prequel and they have different, more advanced technology with their spore drive. Yeah, let's say um, Enterprise lasted for four seasons. Four seasons. 98 episodes. Yeah, so... That's and, a lot longer than I thought it did. Yeah, and, well, and... I have to go back. I need to go back and rewatch it. Yeah. Maybe, I, maybe I'm giving it a bad rap, because I don't I don't remember a whole lot. I remember the Captain and... Did the Captain and the Vulcan get it on? Uh, No, that was Trip. That was Trip. Mm -hmm. I remember that scene. That's yeah. it. Did they, did they do it in Zero-G? Uh, or... 
Am I misremembering I, that? I don't. Am I mixing it up with some exactly. other? Am I mixing it up with I, Moonraker? I, I, I don't. I don't think there was zero G we, involved. We gotta do a James Bond episode. <laughs> I think the cast is interesting. Yeah. Um, again, all the casts are interesting. Oh yeah. Well, you know, in general, whenever you do a prequel, you're limiting yourself, True. especially in something that you know is taken at this point four series before it mm-hmm. and just continue to go forward mm-hmm. and build out the universe. Right, right. Um, There's so many things that you may have enjoyed from previous series that you just can't go back to because of the nature of the time when it's you, you might have to leave the room when we talk about Discovery. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's going to be hard for us to talk about that without spoiling yeah, a lot well, of Yeah, well, and, and, like, and, and I think we also have to take into consideration Enterprise takes place 100 years prior to original series. Right. So they don't even have warp drives, right? They're just, no. or they're just developed. Did they develop uh, Well, warp I think dri- you, you can maximum go to like warp, warp four, I think is like the max you can go. I think, or, was they, that, did, or am I thinking original series? I think you're thinking original series because I, I think like one of the major points yeah. in the, in the, in that was they developed like the first experimental warp drive. That's, I think that's right. It's been a while. Yeah, so yeah again, I, it's been I, a while. I, you know what? I need to go back and rewatch it. I, I, I think I do as well. I might be giving it a bad rap, but oh. I definitely... Love. So so um, before we jump into Discovering Picard, let's rank it. So for me, I can't put original series on there. I just haven't watched enough of it. Okay. So for me, DS9, Voyager, Next Gen, and those are all close together. And then Enterprise, lower. And then if I were to slot Discovery in, I would put Discovery and Picard just under Next Gen. But there hasn't been that much of it, so. Man, that, this is this is really tough. Yeah, um, they're all great. So. Yeah, I say I, I love all of them. If if I'm going to pick one to keep watching, I'm obviously I'm going to pick Voyager because mm-hmm. Janeway's my captain. It's really a toss up for me between DS9 and Next Gen, mm-hmm. Enterprise, then original series mm-hmm. um, of of that original run of five series. Putting in Discovery and Picard. I like them both about the same, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not, honestly I'm not really sure where I would put them in, just because I feel like they're different in yeah. a way from yeah. from the other five Star Trek agree. series. I completely um, agree, and I think it's maybe just they're they're a product of their time in that they are not episodic per se. Yeah, um, they are like the first Star Trek series to really deal with um, an overarching story because they were told on a streaming platform. Yeah, so you don't have all the filler episodes. Yeah. We would never have that weird Blizzard episode from Voyager <laughs> on that one. Thank God. <laughs> what uh, episode? I don't remember that one. <laughs> um, good. <laughs> don't bother. Jason, when you get there, you'll you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, You'll be like, sure. wow. It's not great. <laughs> what uh, kind of crack are they on? <laughs> um, I feel like every Star Trek has that one episode where you're like, so they just ran out of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> and it's always, it's never like at the end of a season or the beginning. It's always it's, like it's we're in the middle it's a random where they were all episode. just like, our cocaine bucket ran out and we had to go refill it. And while it was getting refilled, Ooh. we had to. Yeah. Weird. No, it, that was a, that's a very definition of like a crack fic. <laughs> Interesting. Um, but speaking of discovering Picard, uh, let's just talk tonally. Mm. They, they definitely were big. And I, that was a complaint that I, I've had some conversations with some people, mm-hmm. um, that were complaining that it wasn't, it didn't feel like Star Trek because it didn't have that optimism. Mm. Um, but for the first season, this isn't a spoiler. It's That's about right. the Klingon war. Mm. So it's, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to portray that optimism when you're in the middle of a war for your entire culture's existence. Right. So I thought it was great. I thought the the thing that happens halfway through the season was brilliant because I thought it was it was oh okay we're we're doing this now but then it, they brought it all back and wrapped mm-hmm. it up into a nice neat bow mm-hmm. and it, it was to me it was like when you read an Agatha Christie novel mm-hmm. and then it's revealed at the end and you're like everything makes sense now yeah. Um, yeah 
So I thought it was fantastic. I thought, I think the characters are great. Because at first I was like, why is this, uh, I was like, why is Michael so mechanical? And then like, oh, because she was raised as a Vulcan. I'm like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Of course. Right. Yeah. But I, I think the, the I think that's great. I I'm super excited to see what season three. I'm like, when is season three gonna drop? I'm super excited. They for it. they keep not telling us. I was really hoping we would get that announcement after yeah. Picard finished. Yeah, because again, without wishing to spoil, for 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 Jason who has not gotten there yet, and and this is one this series is one I I have no problem spoiling like Deep Space Nine or Next Gen. They've I been really on don't. for twenty plus years. Sure, yeah. right. But also, in, they don't have. Like this overarching story in the right. same way that this one does. They're not written in that. Mind. They're not written in this right. mindset. Like there are major things that happened that I literally stood up and went, "What?" Yeah. Uh, oh my well, gosh, it's yeah. really, really good. And of course, um, Michelle Yeoh. Yeoh. Uh, Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. I think that's how. You oh my gosh, she's amazing. She's and so when great. is section? When is the section thirty one thing coming out? I think the cast is great. It was really weird when when Tally 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 Tilly Tilly when Tilly dropped an f bomb. I was confused. I was like, did I just mishear that? No, no Star Trek of mine has swearing in it, young right. lady. And then there was the weird Klingon boob sex part. Oh, yeah. And was, that was, was really like, weird. And suddenly there is a butt. Yeah. And suddenly the moon. Screaming. Uh, it was, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I was like, okay, guys, yes, you can have it, but you don't need it. I'm going to watch this regardless of how much skin you're showing. Come on, guys. Right, right. Because it's Star Trek. Yeah. And Picard, they dropped a lot of F bombs. Oh, yeah. And I was like, this is weird. You don't Captain have Picard to do is the this. ultimate Boy Scout. He doesn't yeah. use F bombs. <laughs> well, I, I don't think he did. did oh, he, he did. Did he? Did he? <laughs> oh, I, he did. I remember him getting. I remember he like goes into the general, and the general is just, it's just like, get the fuck out. And I'm going to bleep that. Yeah. But, but I'm like, <laughs> I'm saying, your pardon? What did she say? Aren't you a general? What is happening right now? You can't say that on TV. <laughs> I was going to say, have you ever heard a general speak? <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, well, um, but yeah, so that was really jarring to me to hear people dropping F-bombs in my beloved series of Star Trek when, honestly, that dialogue did not merit F-bombs. No. Especially the one that Tilly drops. That one was just so out of left field and totally mean. They're just like talking about uh, something cool they did. And she's just like, this is really effing cool. I'm like, sorry, what? <laughs> well, I think it's probably nearly as jarring as, you know, when I watched Logan for the first time. Just seeing oh. um, Patrick Stewart as Professor X just dropping F-bombs. Right. And yeah. It's just, Logan it's was so good, weird. Though. It was so good. That was a great movie. What, and it was a, what a good way to go out. Uh, so we'll have to, we'll, we'll have to do an X-Men episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And I'll have to watch Dark Phoenix, but we I can try to, to explain that timeline. I'll have to watch X-Men <laughs> Apocalypse and Dark Phoenix, and I really don't want to. <laughs> I didn't think Apocalypse was as bad as everybody made it. Phoenix was... As bad as everybody made it. It was lackluster. Yeah, Apocalypse was fun. But I'm both... uh, Anything with Apocalypse and the Dark Phoenix are going to be hard to adapt to film. It didn't help that they hired the same guy to do it twice. That made no sense to me. (laughs) Like, why would you... I I mean, I believe in second chances. Mm -hmm. But if you have a guy who murdered a franchise, you don't say, Hey, here's this... Here's this... I I brought it back to life. You want to try a second stab at it? No, you say... No. You go do something else. Let's let James Mangold do that one again. Yeah. Because <laughs> he did yeah, such a right? good job with Logan. But yeah, Discovery and Discovery and Picard, I'm very... I'm enjoying them a lot. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm hoping, especially Discovery, Picard was more of a introspective into how one person's life gets flipped, turned upside down. Right. Um. So, so that one didn't need to... I mean, it does in some ways, because it's like him, re, you know, finding himself again after... 
stuff happened. Mm -hmm. But the discovery, and I think they moved into a little bit in the second season of them. Now they're now it's it's no longer wartime, so now they're doing more exploring. And so I'm really hoping that the third season, it, they just go full Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. And they're, they've set up for a spinoff as well, right? Uh, there's a, a few different Star oh, Trek series uh, coming coming down the pike. Who, who, who plays um, the pike and Ethan Anson? Uh, Anson Mount. Anson Mount and... Uh, Ethan Peck. Ethan is, Peck. Is the, oh my gosh. Is new, new spot. He's great. I love, I love him, him so much. I love him. He, he's just such a good spot. He's a great like, spot. He... he he, he looks a lot like Zachary Kinto too. That's what's weird. Mm -hmm. Right. I thought I was I was looking like that's not the same guy they got for the Abrams movies. No. Though, right? No. 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 Yeah. Right? No. No, Ethan Ethan Peck is is fantastic as Spock. Um and I really love Anson Mount as Captain Pike. Um I wasn't expecting that. And so I was again, without spoiling, I was really hopeful that we would get to work with those characters again. So I was I'm really yeah. excited about the uh that that's that particular spin-off series. It's pretty funny that they they like we're relaunching Star Trek for the first time and then after the first season they're like, "Okay, we got seven spin-offs for you." Right. Which I'm not complaining. I am not upset about more Star Trek. No. no. So, so I, the, the section 31 I think has the potential to be the most interesting. Right. But yeah, I mean I I'm super excited for all of it. I can't yeah. wait. My my dad keeps and this is how you know it's good. My dad keeps asking, "When is Discovery season 3 coming out?" Right. Yeah, I'm going to be really tempted to jump straight to Discovery and Picard. You, you honestly could. You yeah. honestly could because Discovery is a prequel. It's set yeah. before right. original, so you could you could jump straight into Discovery and you could jump straight into Picard. Right. Yeah, well, I know Picard brings characters from series. After right. Um, um, I think you need to watch Nemesis, or you. It, it, it kind of directly you, you, follows stuff that happened in the movie Star Trek Nemesis, which wasn't very good. There's a... I'll send you an article I found that uh, had a good primer of, here are the things you should watch before you watch Picard and its mm. selection of different, like, next-gen episodes, but also uh, Voyager, because Seven of Nine shows up yeah. later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's not a spoiler. It's in the trailer. Yeah. Um, and, it's, and she's great. Yeah, I, I see stuff like that all the time. Yeah. So Jimmy Ryan, ass. I love it. Oh, she's so good. She's so good. Um, and She doesn't look like she's aged at all. I don't think she has. She might be a time. Like Picard looks noticeably older. I, I mean, and sounds noticeably older. I, and honestly, I mean, but but Patrick Stewart can do one arm push ups. Oh, so. oh no, I'm not. I'm not arguing. <laughs> so, I'm just. I mean, I'm just shocked that 20 years later, Jerry yeah. Ryan looks great. Yeah, I mean, she yeah, doesn't look she, like she's aged a day. Not at all. No. Not at all. Yeah, no, she's she's fantastic in that role. If you guys want to go back and revisit Picard and Discovery, you know, I, you know what? I think that's a good spoiler-free way of talking about because it, it is new, right. so you don't necessarily want to spoil it for right. anyone else. Just say, just to say, get CBS All Access, find someone who has it, watch right. Discovery, watch Picard, and you'll know exactly what we were talking about. Right, it's yeah, really right. good. And and I I think I can comment, you know, without spoiling uh, um, again. Some people in the Star Trek fandom were really upset. The woman of color was the lead. Uh, for Discovery. I don't. That makes no sense. I, again, I was like, well, I'm sorry, why are you watching Star Trek? I just don't yeah. understand the mindset <laughs> at all. No, I don't. I don't. I was like, I, I'm sorry, you are watching the most progressive television show that's ever been on television. Like, why are you cranky about this? <laughs> One of the... I'm going to push back on something that has been said, like, oh, it's just the it's just the Michael show. And I'm no. like, I'm sorry, pretty much every other Star Trek TV series, the main focus was the captain because the captain was the main character. Yeah. She's the focus of this TV series because she's the main character. She's just not the captain. And yeah. that's, and that's mm -hmm. different. I think that's one of the things that I thought was particularly interesting about... I, 
discovery. It is true. I was waiting for her to become the captain. I, a, I, I'm, I'm still not sure it's not going to... I'm still... I mean, I'm pretty would, sure it's going to happen at I some point. I wouldn't be surprised if it happened. Yeah. But I, I thought that's such a refreshing way to do a Star Trek yeah. series, is to have the main focus be on somebody who's not a captain. I didn't even think about that, because I, I was so sure that at some point she's going to become captain, because she's the main character. Right. <laughs> I mean, if she does, great. I wouldn't. I would oh, not yeah. be surprised. And at if she all doesn't, I, if she doesn't, I, I don't. Wouldn't bother me. Oh. I would still be like, well, she's going to get captain eventually. Right. <laughs> right. In the back of my head, just like I'm like, Leslie Nope becomes president. Like you're not I mean, stopping. Yeah, it. nobody's going to be upset about that. Exactly. But, yeah. That's yeah. People get upset about the weirdest things. Yeah. I don't... And, oh, and Spock having a beard that <laughs> was ruining Star Trek. He's so guys. hot though. But... He okay. I. I have a little bit of a crush on Ethan Peck because he looks like my husband with 20 <laughs> years. You know what? Yeah, he kind of does. Yeah, then when I first saw him, I was like, Ryan can cosplay Spock and not have to, like, shave off his beard. Because <laughs> if you look at pictures of Ryan when he was younger, he had a Mr. Spock haircut. My father-in-law's a big Star Trek fan. I, I, I mean, I feel like maybe he had some influence or whatever. But he has that thick, dark hair, mm-hmm. those, you know, the, the, the dark eyebrows. Like, he, he just looked like a, a young Spock minus the pointy ears. So when I saw the, that promo picture of Spock with a beard, I was like, yes! <laughs> I was very excited about it. But Spock with facial hair is evil. Yeah, uh, only in the mirror <laughs> universe. Only with a goatee. Goatee is evil. Beard is evil. Beard is friendly. That's, why we, that's what we tell Daniel. Goatee is evil. <laughs> goatee is evil. Beard is friendly. Man, remember when evil Pastor Kevin? We had, we had, <laughs> we had mirror universe mirror Kevin. Mirror universe Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's, what's next on the docket? All right, so we got uh, movies. And we want to start with classic movies. Now, so, okay, I have not seen any of the classic movies. I've seen Star Trek Nemesis, and I saw it in theaters, and that's it. Mm. Okay. So if you guys want, if you want to talk about the, the original movies. I have seen all of the classic movies, but I have only seen them once, and that was about pushing a decade ago. Mm. Like seven, eight years ago. So it's been a long time since I've seen any of them. I thought they were all, they all have their merits. Of the um, original series films, I think Wrath of Khan is the best. But, That's um, pretty undisputed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, and that the one with space whales is the worst. Um, that's actually my husband's favorite. <laughs> yeah, I thought he, that one was really fun. He, and, I, and I enjoyed it because I thought it was funny, especially the scene where they're running through the hospital and McCoy's like, dialysis? Forget that. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> he just, um, hits, hits somebody with a shot and cures their kidney function. <laughs> so I just thought that was really funny. Um, just uh, DeForest Kelly is just great. Mm-hmm. Of the uh, of the next gen films, um, I really like the ones that uh, Jonathan Frakes directed, which uh, I think was Insurrection, and I think he did. First, oh, I, think, I did see Insurrection. I think he did First Contact as well, and I really like both of those. Yeah, so I saw Insurrection. What? Okay, what happened in Insurrection? I know uh, I saw Nemesis. Uh, again, blanking. Blanking. Uh, yeah. To Internet Movie Database. While you're looking it up, um, I'll go ahead and say. You know, I've only seen the original series films so far, uh, but I just I really enjoyed them. You know, watching them directly after the original series, it just was. Uh, I just felt like they were able to really step things up. That's when the you know Klingons got redesigned. Mm. Um, you can tell the budget went up. The actors um, were a little more seasoned. They were able to bring it a little bit more, and it just it just felt like a longer. You know, a longer episode of the original series, and, mm-hmm. you know, it was a lot of fun for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the plot of Insurrection. When the crew of the Enterprise learn of a Federation conspiracy against the inhabitants of a unique plan- planet, 
Captain Picard begins an open rebellion. Might have seen that one. Maybe I didn't. I know I saw Nemesis. Nemesis was with the Romulans, right? Uh, And they had like the clone of Picard that didn't look like Picard at all. uh, Yeah, but that's because it was Tom Hardy. (laughs) Yeah, and Data Data dies in that one, and they have Uh, the weird Data clone. Uh, yes, that one is, uh, that one was actually directed by Brent Spiner as well. Oh. Yeah. I, I, I enjoyed I, it. I actually it like Nemesis. I know, like, people, like, hate on it, but I didn't think it was that bad. I thought it was weird, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. I remember, I, I mean, I, again, I watched it in theaters. I mean, I thought it was really good. It was really weird when the, the Romulan guy gets impaled and, like, pulls himself on the pole. I was like, that's kind of gross for Star <laughs> Trek. Like, guys. Well, you know... Sci-fi, I think my reaction a lot of times is, and Star Trek especially, well, that was really weird, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's, uh, yeah. that was really weird, and I have, I, and, but I enjoyed it. It's kind of the description of the, um, not the movie Hitchhiker's Guide, mm-hmm. BBC. So BBC used to do the best lowest budget series. Right. They did Lord of the, they did like the, the Hobbit, I think, and it was fantastic. Oh. And I've they did, I think it was animated, it's it, bad animation, but they did Chronicles of Narnia up to Silver Chair, mm-hmm. and they're uh, amazing. Like an animated version? No, or, or, live or the, Oh, the live action. Yeah, I've seen that. Those yeah. are so good. I, and that's why really when the new those. ones with Liam Neeson came out, I was like, have you guys seen what the BBC did with $5 budget? You should be ashamed <laughs> of yourselves. <laughs> I know. I am far more moved by Puppet Aslan than I am Which by I, Liam Neeson I'm super hopeful for the miniseries. Yeah. Because that's, I think that's the best way to do it's, it. It's such a good format for that. They're the right length. The books are the that's right what length I, for That's that, what I yeah. wish they would have done with Artemis Fowl. Anyways, back on focus. Nemesis? Nemesis. Nemesis. I liked it. I, I liked it too. I didn't think it was that bad. No, I didn't. Oh, did, did Deep Space Nine or Voyager have any movies? I think they stopped making movies after Next Gen. Um, until the J.J. Reboot. Uh, re- re- uh, Janeway shows up in... Nemesis, I think. In the Nemesis movie, yeah. She uh, she has like a cameo in the Nemesis yeah, movie. I remember that. Um, but otherwise, I, no. I was going to say, I think they're all either original series or, or Next, Next Gen. Next or Next Gen, right. right. And then we have J.J. Reboot. J.J. Reboot. So let's talk about J.J. Reboot. I enjoyed them. Yeah. Honestly, like I think of like movies I have watched in terms of number of times. I've probably watched that original two, that that 2009 reboot film probably 25 times. Hmm. Yeah. Like and just when it was streaming on Netflix about 10 years ago, I probably watched it just 6 times. It was on there <laughs> and like I would be all like, "Oh, I want to watch a movie." And I'd put on that uh, scroll and scroll and was like you know what? I'm just gonna watch Star Trek again, and yeah. I, and I and, and and I would. That movie's so much fun, and the casting, especially having gone back and watched the original series, I don't think they could have done any better. No, no, they like, were all they were top spot notch. on for pretty much everybody. I, I will admit, during um, Star Trek Beyond, mm-hmm. when they started playing Sabotage, I did facepalm. Oh, because I. Hee-haw laughed. Because <laughs> I'm like, this is so ridiculous, and yeah. I knew it was ha- it was coming, and I love it. But it brings up an interesting point. They're in, like, the 24th century, right? Right. There's always been... And now, other Star Treks explained it. Like, Picard specifically was a historian, like, did studied history. Mm-hmm. So when he brings up stuff from the 20th century, it makes sense. Because mm-hmm. it's like, this is what he studied. Mm-hmm. Cisco loves baseball. Because his dad taught him baseball. His dad was, like, old school... Mm-hmm cooked real food with no replicators, taught him baseball. So he grew up with baseball, so, you know, he knows about baseball. Why does this guy have sabotage? <laughs> well, you do have he to remember... He likes classical it, music. It is, yeah. <laughs> it is an alternate universe, sure. so... So maybe so, the Beastie Boys got shifted four centuries later? Uh, right, right, maybe, or... or 
Picard just really yeah. likes the Beastie Boys. And, and this is Picard. one thing that's really Kirk. hard to do, and I recognize that it's hard to do, right. is to have your character's references be consistent with a world that you've built. Because, like, how do you decide what music is like in the 24th century? Yeah. And obviously your audience is from the current time, so making references to the current time that they'll get makes sense for them, but mm-hmm. it's it's an anachronism in some levels. Right. Um, and, and this is what the Orville, which is more or less a, a, a spoof of, of Star Trek, Trek right. that takes itself a little too seriously. This is what really bothered me about it was Seth MacFarlane's character, whose name I don't remember. I don't remember any of these characters. I, I haven't actually watched it. Um, but yeah, Seth MacFarlane's like character and his wife, mm-hmm. they're they're they run the they run the ship, and they are constantly just making offhand pop culture references. And no one on the ship is like, "What is a Rocky?" <laughs> Like no, no one questions it. Everyone's right. just—it's, and I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. You're in the future, right? We—I'm not—I'm not going around making 17th century play references unless it's Shakespeare, <laughs> right? Like there are definitely some things, and you could right. argue that there are some things that would have staying power, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't be everything, and not all of your references would be unless you were a real weirdo, mm-hmm. right? I don't go around speaking, quoting Shakespeare all day. Mm-hmm. If you did, it'd be a little weird. I'm not okay. If you should go around quoting Shakespeare on date, that's not a bad thing. It means you're probably more cultured than all of us. Normally, people would have some current cultural references that they would use as well, and they only use 20th century, 21st century references. And so it's a weird anachronism that kind of takes me out of the idea that oh, I'm watching, a, a, I'm you know, this is a, you know, I'm in space. To I'm watching a show about people who are pretending to be in space. Mm-hmm. Well, don't you understand that all of our pop culture now is just so timeless? Yeah, you know? <laughs> definitely. <laughs> what happens is they actually run out of ideas for TV and movies, and they just uh, keep watching them forever. Oh, so it's like the 17th <laughs> remake of Lion King. Yeah. Real, for real live action, they use actual lions that they genetically <laughs> programmed to be orange with black manes. Shot yeah. completely in a hollow deck. <laughs> <laughs> but for the most part, Star Trek's pretty good at that because they build like, here's Klingon opera and all these other things. And for the most part, all the references to 20th century Earth history are set up by the fact that that character has an interest in that sort of thing. And it's right. only done by humans. There, like there's Sulu. some kind of context yeah, for it. Yeah, it's like, all done in context. So the sabotage thing kind of comes out of left field. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, like, Sulu loves weapons in the yeah, original series. Right. And so every time, like, classic weapons or guns show up, he's like, oh, look at this. This is so amazing. Yeah. And part of that was actually born out of George Takei loving, uh, uh, like, he, he actually took fencing classes. And, <laughs> and he loved, like, he wanted to be Errol Flynn. And so, he like, the, the Errol Flynn uh, Robin Hood was, mm-hmm. like, his favorite. So you have the one, ep- it's the mm-hmm. Mirror Mirror episode. Where he does like fencing and things like that, which yeah. is really fun. Yeah, that's just that's just something that I, I think it was the reason I stopped watching the Orville because it bothered me so much. Mm. Which is weird. It's, it seems like a petty complaint, but it, when I compare it to Star Trek, mm-hmm. it's I find it to be inferior. And I realize it's supposed to be more or less jokey, but they kind of started taking themselves seriously, mm. and they definitely have that Roddenberry esque humanity's evolving to be better. Right. Except they're not. It's like Seth MacFarlane being Seth MacFarlane. Mm-hmm. A regular 21st century Joe, who's not evolved. Sorry, guy, you're you're human like us. Well, and, and I think the you know the, the Picard series really deals with that, especially yeah. within relation to Rafi's character. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, uh, and, and you know, not going to get specific because I don't want to spoil anything for those who have not seen it. But you you find out there is a real like economic disparity. Yeah, and I was like, I thought we were in the 21st century, yeah. and like uh, one of the podcasts I listened to about uh, Picard it's simply called the Picard. <laughs> that was actually uh, something they they talked about. It was like how I mean, if there's no money, 
Like, if you know, people have evolved past the use of money, how does anybody get the supplies to do anything? Like, barter what, system? Like, <laughs> like, is there a barter system? Or, like, is there, like, do you apply to the government? Like, I want to build a house. Like, here are the materials I need. And, you know, you just get them. Like, how? You know, there's not been an explanation of how functionally that works out. But it's very clear that Picard had access mm-hmm. to these things. Mm-hmm. And Rafi did not. Mm-hmm. So and Picard inherited his estate. Right, right. Yeah. Like I mean, and there's you still have to deal with generational wealth. Yeah. There's still generational wealth. There's still clearly class. Right. There are still haves and have-nots. So, yeah, you might have ended poverty, but you didn't end, you didn't end he, inequality. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's it's. Uh, I thought that was a really interesting thought that I had not yeah. previously considered. Right. Yeah, and Picard deals a lot with the idea of humanity and what does it mean to be human mm-hmm. that's a very central tenet right and of course espionage and sneaky 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 dun, 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 dun. oh winding it back uh, to the movies um, the J.J. Abrams movies I think one of the things and you know the music and all that kind of stuff kind of plays into this it's they wanted to cross that classic Star Trek feel and those characters and everything with you know a modern blockbuster movie with the humor and everything integrated in mm-hmm. and i think mm-hmm. you know for what they were going for they did a really good job yeah oh it. as I, evidence i liked the all fact, the, i liked all three of them are yeah. they planning to do another one or um, are they done? I, I don't i don't think they're gonna do another um another they, one in that universe yeah i think they they planned on it and then there were like some contract disputes on are they asking ryan johnson and... to do next <laughs> <end>? <laughs> no, somebody make him watch it before they let him <laughs> That's a, that's a debate for another day. No, I don't think there's going to be a, a fourth okay. one in, in let, that Let me say course. again, I think Ryan Johnson has potential for brilliant director because Knives Out was amazing. So I don't hate Looper Ryan Johnson. Looper is great, too. Which one? Looper. Oh, he did Looper? He did Looper. Oh. Yeah. Did I, I didn't realize that until somewhat recently. I was like, I love Looper. I heard Blooper. I was like, what? What movie no, was no. Blooper? Uh, I can't say I've seen <laughs> you that mean one. Flubber? <laughs> no, no. You mean The Last Jedi? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no. Hey, save it for it. Save it no. for it. Oh. I, See, I'm now you're going to wish we had resist. talked about Star Wars uh, Last Jedi today when there's not three people who have one opinion and you with the other opinion. I honestly think we hold a lot of the same I opinions. I think we do. We I, just, I, like, listening I think... to y'all talk about uh, the sequel trilogy, I actually agreed with most of what you all say. The difference lies in how we interpret Last Jedi. The Last Jedi and, and a bit of The Force Awakens as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll, we get... we'll, we'll pocket that for yeah, the. Let's pocket for, that for, for the, the actual discussion. That's going to be another lengthy episode. <laughs> <laughs> but it'll be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think we. Uh, Is there anything else to say about the uh, the J.J. Abrams movies? I don't. I can't think of anything else to say. I except for the fact that I enjoyed them. You know, one of the things I think that they balanced really well in by bringing in, um, you know, older Spock, bringing mm. back uh, Leonard Nimoy is just you hit you know, all these notes of nostalgia, mm-hmm. and but it was fresh and new. As you know, I can't remember where they. That's made what the, the joke. Force Awakens should have done. Is they they introduce the the way that the way that the new Star Trek introduced the old characters and kept that air of nostalgia mm-hmm. and then moved on from it. Mm-hmm. Force Awakens wallowed, and that's totally JJ's fault. So I don't I don't know how he did it so well in Star Trek and did it so poorly in Force Awakens and Rise of Skywalker as well, where he was just like, and I, I blame Disney for for mm-hmm. wanting to play it too safe. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that happened. With Star Wars, and right. we can get yeah. into that. Yeah, and, and there, and I think we'll hold, there's we'll some, there's some external that. stuff there as yeah, well. It's not just stuff. yeah, no problems with the film. Like there's external forces that mm-hmm. are <laughs> pushing towards. <Force>. Hey, 
They're called midi chlorians. Look them up. (laughs) I was going to say that pun was a happy accident, but not anymore. Uh, Greg and I, as you listened, have very differing ideas on how how the prequels are. (laughs) As often as you've used that, that's not how the Force works. Hang on, I got you. (laughs) That pretty much covers everything. Uh, Do you guys have any closing thoughts? Anything uh, you want to circle back to? Uh, I think Star Trek is amazing. I I, I, I love Star Trek. And I've never understood the whole... Just like I've never understood... I never understood warring fandoms. I, no. I yeah, no. So people are like, are you Star Trek or Star Wars? I both. I why? Like, yeah, I'm sorry. Why not both? <laughs> Por qué no dos dos? <laughs> Just like the like console wars and video games, I've never understood why do I need to pick a side? Yeah. I mean, in Team Edward and Team Jacob, I understood. Although that one, I never understood why people thought Team Jacob stood a chance. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like no. very clear who no. she intended the. No. Oh, boy, those were bad. Yeah. Here you go. This. Is, uh... That's not how the Force works. <laughs> the and... sacred Jedi text. <laughs> I've been using that a lot. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I've got, uh, I, I've got, have I, I haven't shown you, but I, I've got some oh. really fun, really fun ones. Don't lecture me, Obi Wan. Whenever people say Star Trek, Star Wars for me, I'm like, well, Stargate. But hey, yeah, I, I again, I, I so told much. you this. I watched the first episode, and there are boobies in it, and I did not know that, and I was watching it at work, and that was a problem. Oh. And it's only in the first episode because apparently the, it was like designed SG One series. Yes, yeah. Because apparently it was designed I for stars. Yeah. That out. Apparently it was designed for stars <laughs> or, or or one of the Showtime or something like that. And then it moved to cable. So then they re, they re, re, they re edited that first episode. Mm-hmm. But the one that I pirated, I mean acquired, still had that scene in it. Yep, and when you uh, when you're not expecting that, it's just really jarring. Yeah, and then you're like, ah. I'm sorry, I thought I was watching Star Trek ish thing. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm really curious now because we have the DVDs for the first couple of seasons. Of I don't SG think it's one. on the DVDs. Uh, so, and, uh, but we've also I, watched it on Prime. Um, but I I think... Is it on Prime? It, I, it's I all on go. Prime now. It used to just be I do want to go Blue. and watch it because I enjoyed the I first episode. The, uh, I just never got... I, I was just yeah, like, I can't afford to watch this at work. Right. <laughs> we definitely need to watch through it. Um, yeah. Go back to it. But so um, that's, that's like my husband's favorite science fiction series is Stargate. I've heard a lot of praise for it. I mean, it had like two spinoffs, right? Um, yes, yeah. and uh, several. Like it started off as a movie, right. spun into SG One, then Atlantis and Universe, mm-hmm. and then there was like a mini series later and a few movies as well. But, right? Why couldn't um, Firefly have gotten that much love? Uh, I don't know. We're gonna have to do a oh uh, Firefly on on, on mm-hmm. shows that were canceled before their time. And yeah, so we basically, we're just that. gonna talk about Firefly. Mostly. Firefly, <laughs> Better Off Ted, Santa Clarita Diet. I've got I've got a list. Okay. Yeah, I've got a list as well. Okay. But yeah, so that's yeah, Star Trek. I love it. I think it's one of the best. I think it's it, and again, it it had such a formative impact on the culture. It's well, yeah. it's everywhere. Well, yeah. and 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 you know, not even just the science fiction genre. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's it functionally changed how fans interact with a, a, a text. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it specifically through conventions. Fan fiction existed prior to Star Trek with, like, Sherlock Holmes. Have you read the Book of Mormon? Um, Edgy. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, fan fiction magazines mm-hmm. uh, were, were a big thing with, mm-hmm. among the Star Trek fandom. And something that a lot of people... And don't this know, is all before the internet, which right? is what yeah. makes it it's really like impressive. That, that's the thing that is mind-blowing. It's like, this is this is in the uh, late 60s, early 70s. I mean, the whole reason Star Trek, the original series, even got a third season was because of a letter-writing campaign organized by the two women who basically founded the first Star Trek convention. Whoop, whoop. Well, so, yeah. It's, it's a universe that lends itself so well to fan fiction and those right. kinds of things. So you can see how it ended up 
you know, spawning right. such a like large amount of it. Right, right, absolutely. So, I mean, so many things that are just, they just exist now within fan culture started with Star Trek. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think a lot of people realize the cultural impact it had in that way. Um, but even, I mean, I just watched Gilmore Girls all the way through <laughs> for the first time. And um, I count, Lorelai Gilmore makes like at least 15 Star Trek references and then denies being uh, like a Trekkie or Trekker, depending on your preference, which one you, you prefer. But uh, she, uh, but then like makes fun of Luke for watching Star Trek and he like pushes back and uh, no, Star Trek's great. You stop. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry. You have just made all of these Star Trek references and I think it's hilarious. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it's just so ingrained in popular culture now that you don't even think about it. I think, you know, just generally, we all really love it, and we're looking forward to seeing more of the future. Mm -hmm. um, super yeah. psyched for Discovery Season 3, super mm -hmm. psyched for if Section 31 show yeah. ever comes out. Right, I mean, so much TV is just on hold Are right they? Now. They're, they're doing Season 2 of Picard? Uh, yes, they are definitely doing Season 2. Not sure two. what they're going to do, but they're doing Season 2 of Picard. Well, and, and apparently uh, Patrick Stewart went on The View and specifically asked Whoopi Goldberg on yeah. The View to be in Season 2. They're bringing Guinan back? They're bringing Guinan back! Uh, I never uh, understood her character. I think I think you're not supposed uh, yeah, to. She's say, an enigma. Yeah. She's an enigma wrapped in a riddle. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe you will. Because she's like the one thing Q's like, oh, I'm me, omnipotent me. I'm scared of yeah. this bartender yeah. lady who knows who knows stuff she shouldn't know. Yeah. And she's super mysterious. And then she just leaves. I don't remember why she left. Well, I don't know. Oh, well, and, and so I actually just listened to um, David Tennant does a podcast. I love with, Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, but I listened to the episode with Whoopi Goldberg on it. That sounds awesome. And um, Gene Roddenberry didn't believe it when she had her agent contact him and say, I want to be on Star Trek. Because <laughs> she was such a big movie star at the time um, for like the Sister, color purple. Sister? Uh, no, uh, the, color, the color purple. Color purple? Yeah. yeah. I've seen um, that as a play. As I say, I haven't. Well, she was in the play. Um, but uh, and then I believe it was it's made. A, it's very moving and very. Say, yeah difficult play yeah i know it's very good though yeah no she's she's great but like she specifically contact she she wanted to get in touch with gene roddenberry because she wanted to be on star trek because that was the impetus for her I really i might have cried at the color <laughs> really wanting to be an actor um was because of star trek the original series and so she's like i don't want to be like a, a you know a main cast member but she's like i would love to be in it as much as i can and so that's why she was such a big recurring guest on the series that's really cool. I thought that was fascinating. That I mean, because at the time, no, you sister know, act. That's what she sister means. act. Yeah, it's like <laughs> sister, sister. That's T and Tamara Mallory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said, as soon as I said sister, sister, I was like, that doesn't no, sound right. She's in sister something. Yeah, sister act was like 91, 92. There were several of them, weren't there? Yeah, there were uh, two, I believe. I've, oh I've, I've, I've at least only seen two. If there was a third one, I don't know about it. But you know, she was a big film star at the time, and at the time, you, you know, if you were a film star, you did not do TV. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you you know, it was, you did TV and then you went on to film if you were lucky. Right. Um, so a lot of people would have viewed that as a step back, but she loved Star Trek so much she wanted to be a part of it. Not even pursuing, like, a specific role, just saying, like, she's like, get me in there. Yeah, yeah, put me in. Put me in, coach. Yeah, yeah, so. Hey. I, I thought it was cool. She's a great character. Very cool. Yeah. So they're bringing her back? Yeah. That would be really interesting. Yeah. And then Discovery Season 3, I'm, I'm really excited to see what they do with that. They, they basically have given themselves, again, not to spoil, mm -hmm. they've given themselves a blank slate to work with. So I, thought, right. I thought it was brilliant right. how they, how they were, 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 were like, okay, we're just going to give ourselves a blank check. Right. And we can yeah. do whatever we want. Well, and, and that's the thing I'm the most Kind of the way about. Voyager did when they went to the Delta Quadrant. Right, right. But, you know, I think this is even different than that because you are not... I mean, I think one of the things Discovery 
struggled with a bit was learning how to retcon themselves within to Star Trek history. Yeah. Now they don't have to. Yeah. And that's that's going to be really cool. Yeah. There's a reason, Jason, you never find out anything about. There's no references to the Starship Discovery. Well, I think, um, you know, one of the most exciting things you can see when you're in a fandom is something, just a chance to completely re- uh, reinvigorate something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When a show just says, just gives itself complete creative freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I can think of several times where I've seen a TV show do that, and it's just the, you know, the best thing. Mm-hmm. 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 All right, so I think that about wraps it up for our Star Trek talk. We've gone almost two hours. Oh, my land. As <laughs> is appropriate for a show that's had, uh, uh, let's see, um, original series, Next Gen, DS9, Voyager, Enterprise, Discovery, Picard. Seven series spanning 80 years. No, that's no, bad no. math. <laughs> 60, no, no uh, 60 uh, years. Yeah, I believe 60 that's years. 60 years. Yeah. 60 plus... 60 plus 40 is 2,000 plus 20 is 2020. Um, Spending 60 years, hundreds and hundreds of episodes, movies, games that were apparently all terrible. I th- There was one game I played that was, I think, like an RTS game. I don't I, remember which I one. Have... might have been Voyager Elite or something like that. I say, I, was, they were all bad. I say, I've got the... One it, based on the, uh, the modern movies? Uh, no. I that have, one apparently was really, really bad. If, uh, so for NES, I've got the next-gen... Okay. Uh, the next gen game, and I think for my Genesis, I've got the I've got the DS9 game. Mm. Um, I also have for PS2 Star Trek Encounters, which is basically just a battle game, and that's yeah. really fun. Oh, that's what I was thinking about. Yeah. that's what I've seen at Yale's place. Yeah, Star Trek Encounters. But n- none that's of that's the none of the Star Trek games ever did very well. <laughs> no, um, the uh, uh, original series started in 1966, so that so is 54, 54 years. years. 54 mm-hmm. years. So it's just a, a massive series that again. I, we can't reiterate how much of an impact it had yeah. on popular culture still to this day. Oh, yeah. Still to this day. Yeah. Which is why when J.J. was saying, hey, we're coming out with Star Trek movies, people showed up for it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and and what I love about it is, uh, you know, you came into it with the movies. Mm-hmm. You came into it with the movies, the movies as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. A lot of people had my experience where their parents watched right. it, and so you grew up with it. Right. And I think for a lot of people, their favorite... Uh, you guys are kind of exceptions because you came in with the movies, but for a lot of people that I've talked to who are younger and older than me, mm-hmm. their favorite series was determined by which one they, which one they started watching first. Right. Yeah. Because right. they're all great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I, I had a conversation with somebody at, uh, at a con last summer, uh, an older gentleman, and he was telling me, I was like, at that point I had not watched Discovery yet, but he was saying that, well... I watched Discovery, and I just really didn't like it. It's not my Star Trek. And I was like, well, it's not your Star Trek, but it might be somebody else's Star Trek. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that a lot of people forget that. And I think you could easily have the same conversation about Star Wars. Oh, yeah. I I agree. Um, Well, okay, so I've been taking someone younger than me back and watching through through all the Star Wars movies. So we started Mm -hmm. with, we just, yesterday we watched uh, Empire. Mm -hmm. So now we're going to go one, two, three, Mm -hmm. then six. Then I think we'll probably watch Rogue One. Then we'll do seven, eight, nine. Okay. And maybe we'll watch Solo. I don't know that you need to. It was it. It's Solo's so ancillary. Just... I, I, I think it was fine. Yeah. But it's so ancillary. You don't really need to watch it. Right. Whereas Rogue One directly links right. into, and I would argue is probably the best Star Wars movie. It's up there. Yeah, I, I say it's it's a really good movie. It it by far has the best scene in all of Star Wars, and that's that's the part where it shows you. I really should save this for next time. But it's the, that scene with Darth Vader. Uh-huh. Where which you're like, apparently oh. was added on later. Huh. That scene, I love it because it just shows you this is why Darth Vader 
is the most feared person in the galaxy. Yeah, I This would, is why they only need one though. Sith Lord to control everything, because you can't kill him! Yeah. Normal right. people cannot kill him. Right. The movies don't... The original movies couldn't really convey that very yeah. well, but we, we'll have to jump back into that next mm-hmm. time, because yeah. I've got so, some stuff to add to that, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, just go watch Star Trek. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter which one you start on. Go watch it and love it and and just... It's so good. And yeah, there are some trash episodes. But there's some really quality episodes. In every mm-hmm. series has mm-hmm. some episodes that you would point to that and say, that's just good television. Well, right. And anything that's been running that long is going to have that problem. Sure. You, know, right. you think long-running sci-fi shows, Star Trek, Doctor Who, you know... Um, I love comics, which have been going forever. When you have that much material, there's going to be some stinkers, but yeah. there's going to be some really great stuff yeah. mixed in there too. And yeah. and again, and we, we said this for every single one. We said, "What's great about it? The characters. Mm-hmm. Right. The characters in every single series, they do ensemble cast so well." So that's my final word: is go watch Star Trek, y'all. Yeah. It's so great, Cisco for life. Mm-hmm. There you go. Coffee black. <laughs> Tea. Oh, great. Hot. <laughs> well, engage. Before we jump, before we end, uh, where can they find? Where can people find you? Yeah, Daniel? so you can contact us if you have uh, question, comments, obscenities. Um, please don't give us obscenities unless they're like, "F yeah, I'll take that." Um, <laughs> positive obscenities. Positive only. obscenities, <laughs> I will take. Uh, <laughs> show me the money. Who's your mother? Ever? You're my mother ever. Uh, that's a fun movie. Uh, but yeah, so we you can uh, tweet us at dearly debated. Email us, dearlydebated at gmail.com. You can find me on my personal Twitter at HolyGolem. I tweet like once every three years. I'm trying to I'm trying to tweet more often, but I really just don't. Uh, <laughs> Ashley, where can people find you? All right. You can follow me on the tweets at the nerdy blogger. Um, you can like my Facebook page, um, facebook.com slash the nerdy blogger. Or you can read my blog at nerdyblogging.wordpress.com. I'm also a staff writer at Fangirlish. I've got a weekly column right now. It's called Wayback Wednesday, where I review one retro film a week. You, um, you need to do Demolition Man. I've never actually seen Demolition oh God, Man. we got to watch it. So uh, it's one of my favorite bad old movies. I, 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 I especially love bad old movies. Okay, so, so yeah. I'm going to throw that on the movie night, and we're okay. going to watch that. It's so much fun. Wesley Snipes is just, they were like, hey, Wesley, can you just act like an insane person? And he's like, okay. <laughs> it's great. It's great. He's, he's You know what he is? He's channeling who was in The Fifth Element. Oh, I've was only it Eddie seen, Murphy? Uh, I don't remember. I've only seen The no Fifth idea. Element once. No idea. I haven't once. seen it. But th- that guy. Yeah. The, the, who's playing the crazy. He's channeling that guy as a criminal. Oh. It's amazing. Okay. All right. And if you guys are looking for me, you can find me at Comics Exile on Twitter or at ComicsExile.com. Um, Comics Exile? ComicsExile.com. Okay. Thank you that. That, that. that letter's going to be the difference. Yeah, it is. Yes. Um, but yeah, ComicsExile.com. And uh, I think the best way to wrap this one up is just say, uh, live long and prosper. Yeah. Live long and prosper. I'm going to say, I'm Gurge. <laughs> should have said that at the beginning. <laughs> uh, you're right. I but I, I just love that he does the little shirt every time he oh, stands the, up. The, 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 the Picard maneuver? The, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm Gurge. It's been a long road Getting from there to here It's been a long time But my time is finally near I will see my dream come alive at last I will touch the sky And they're not gonna hold me down no more No, they're not gonna change my mind Cause I've got faith
Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.